everyone, and welcome to the Sire Says podcast. We're on episode six today. Um, I've got another guest, a brand new guest. His name is Sean Sykes. Sean, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah, how have you been doing? I'm very, very well, especially after yesterday. Um, for those of you, to give some context, Sean is a colleague of mine at work, a good friend of mine. He's also a, a Liverpool fan like myself, so I know he enjoyed um, yesterday. But I, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm, I have a feeling we're going to talk a bit more about that later. So yeah. I'll, I'll save it for then. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think, I mean, obviously, as we're both Liverpool fans, you know, I'll try mm. to make sure it's not too biased. You know, I'm trying yeah. to keep it you know what we're talking about and all of that so it's uh, anybody out there thinking oh it's going to be two Liverpool fans talking about Liverpool season you know we're trying to <laughs> this is this is nice and impartial mate this is you know this is like Gary Neville level punditry <laughs> slash slash um anal- analysis analysis right here <laughs> tongue twisted then so today's we're going to be doing a bit of an informal awards ceremony. It's coming to that time of kind of the time, the time of the year. I'm drinking. I swear. I, I swear to you all. Um, <laughs> we're going to be doing an end of season Premier League awards ceremony. So uh, both Sean and I have gone away and produced a team of the season. We're going to be looking at deciding who will be the player of the year, young player of the year, best signing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's several awards, um, and the interesting thing with these awards is that we've got to come to a mutual consensus. So. If yeah. we have different players in positions or in the team of the season, um, we we basically have to come to a mutual decision to uh, agree on it. And then the same with the awards. How does that sound, mate? Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I got a feeling we might agree on a lot of these, but I think there might be a few surprises in there. Yeah. I'd like to, you know, it's, uh, I think... There might be some players we might be discussing about for a little while longer. Some will probably be like, yeah, absolutely. Get them in there kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, let's get on and do this. Let's do it. Awesome. Um, before we do, I feel like it's something we should uh, mention. Um, I just like to, I think, you know, we'd both like to send our congratulations out to Leicester and Brendan Rodgers yeah, on winning absolutely. the FA Cup. <laughs> that was a, that was, I mean, obviously first half of the match and all that, you know, it was quiet and all that, but then they had to get going and so on. But I thought, for me, anyway, it was just like once Johnny Ovens went off for Leicester, that was yeah. going to be it. Because you could see from the start of the game, you know, you could see how Chelsea were going to go about it. You know, yeah. try, and get, try and get Timo Werner down, you know, literally get into the space, get on the attack and all of that lot and try and get him just off the last man mm. kind of thing. But the way they dealt with it, I think um, the Leicester defence and all of that, they did brilliantly. And that 19-year-old kid as well, he was kind of in like the wing-back position and so on. Yeah. He did. He did pretty well, you know, starting a FA Cup final like that. Yeah. Uh, but that goal from... Oh, that was insane. I, I, was, I was watching it live. And yeah, when that went in, I li- uh, even though I don't support less, I was literally like, oh my God. No, the thing is, though, I was like that once the VAR decision came in. Because, oh, it was, I thought, because that, I mean, yeah, the Chelsea fans and all of that, that must be absolutely yeah. heart-wrenching. But... When I saw that came up and when I heard the commentator say no goal and it came yeah. up on the screen, I was like, God, oh my God. And my parents, my mum was like in like in the next room, kind of like, oh, what's happened? It's like they've disallowed it. And it was like, oh, your uncle's not gonna be happy because he was a Chelsea fan, so he would be watching oh. and so on. And you know, so it's like, yeah, it's a but brilliant game. Second half of the game. Mm. It was just the thing is though, you look at that, you look at the that second half of the match. 
and it wouldn't have been the same, same kind of drama and all that without the fans there. I mean, having, yeah. what was it, 22,000 fans? About that, yeah. Was, yeah, and it was just that atmosphere when Leicester found out, you know, that goal was disallowed. I don't know yeah. what you thought, but I thought that just like, that just sent my hands up on my like arm and my back and all that up. And yeah. so, yeah, it was... Uh, that final was an absolute pleasure to watch. And yeah, having the fans in there absolutely made it. Like if that had been played in an empty stadium, it just oh, wouldn't yeah. have hit the same. Like when Tielemann scored that goal, oh, uh, the, yeah. the reaction and stuff was incredible. Um, that's probably one of the best FA Cup finals I've watched in a good few years, to be honest. Like even I know it was the low scoring game, but it was just, it just, I just felt like it had everything. Oh, it did. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's kind of like you had the injury, you kind of had your main players like injured and all of that. And you're thinking, OK, where's this going to go? You know, you have your screamer of a goal and you think you look back to have the FA Cup finals. Obviously, you think of like Gerard and all that. Sorry, not trying to be Liverpool biased, but you think of those ones. You think of those and it's like, yeah, it had that, it had the drama at the end. And mm. yeah, such a good, it was such a good match. And it's, so great just to see fans back in and really looking forward to, you know, next season and beyond. I mean, mm. I don't know what it's going to be like for the Champions League final. I'm presuming they're allowing fans in when Chelsea Man City play, but... Yeah, so um, it, also, it was meant to be in Istanbul, but then um, Boris announced that Turkey was on the red list, so no one can go there. So they've moved it to... So I thought they were going to move it to Wembley, which was the initial plan, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think... I don't know what happened with that. I thought... I heard talk that it was like a lot of the kind of officials, you know, you get like mm. the kind of IPs and all of that and, you know, board members of other, you know, of UEFA and so on. Yeah. I think there was some talk that it might have been concern about that, you mm. know, about traveling over whilst this new variant is in, the Indian variant. So it's kind of like, right, okay, but it should be, I just don't understand why they didn't do it, you know, because no, it's I like, don't. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're thinking was. It's like, okay, we've got an all English Champions League final. We're holding Portugal, where yeah. fans have to charge so much just to kind of, yeah. I just can't get my head around it. Yeah. It's kind of like, and you talk about the top six being greedy with the European Super League and all mm. of that. And, uh, but yeah, it's just ridiculous. That. So, but yeah, I don't know how many they're meant to be holding. Um, um, I think. I'm, don't quote me on this. I think it's twelve thousand, so about six thousand each. I think, oh, which yeah. should make for an interesting atmosphere. It'll be interesting yeah, to see how Chelsea, um, how Chelsea, what sort of Chelsea turn up because obviously it's now their yeah. last chance of winning a trophy, isn't it? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, because I mean, I thought in ideally for me, I mean, for me, I would like to see Chelsea win. Out of the two teams, I'd like to see Chelsea. Same, but I thought, you know. I thought if they lose the final, the FA Cup final, that mm. would be a good thing, you know, in a weird way, because, you know, it's kind of, they have that motivation then to go on for the Champions League final. Yeah. You know, in that kind of sense. So it's kind of like, the great if Leicester could win. And then if Chelsea can win the Champions League, that would be all right. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Well, they're in a position now where, because obviously they're playing Leicester again tomorrow in the league, right? Yeah. And then pretty much the loser of that game could concede Champions League to us. Yes. So if that is ends up if that does end up being Chelsea, if Leicester beat them again, then Chelsea might have might have to win just to be in it again next year. Which could might. add a very interesting um dynamic. Yeah, exactly. It'll be it's gonna be a big match tomorrow. It'll be mm. a very big match. And it's uh yeah, definitely keep an eye on you know, just in terms of neutral, I think that will be there'll be a lot of pressure, especially with especially how hungover the Leicester players are. Oh but, definitely. You know, 
<laughs> but you know, whatever happens to you, you know, they fully deserve their success this season. Mm. You know, Leicester, and they fully deserve to win the FA Cup. And it, it's actually, it was yeah, a great match to watch. And it was you know, it was quite nice to see, you know, when Leicester's owner, you know, he was celebrating with the cup and uh, mm. great you know, yeah, great. There were some great emotions there. It was quite emotional, you know, just having the fans back in. But yeah, mm. great game, great game, absolutely. Great game. Um, awesome. So I think we'll crack on with yep. our first awards, which will be the okay. team of the season. The <laughs> coveted 11. Um, so, Sean, as the guest, yeah. I am going to let you go first and we'll start at the back. So who is your goalkeeper? Oh, right. This one, this was of two or three positions. This was probably, this was probably one of my difficult ones because it's like you want to say the obvious. You want to mm. say the obvious, and the obvious, well, for me, would be um, Edison. Mm-hmm. Because he has, had a good se- he has had a good season and all of that and so on. And then, you know, you think of other keepers and all of that. You think Mendy, he's come all right since he's come in at Chelsea. I know Chelsea haven't done too well and do all of that. Yeah. Um, and then you've got who, and then you've also got Dean Henderson from mm. Man United, you know, who's taken out to Hayer. And all of that, so you know, he's taken him off his uh, kind of position, and he's had an all right season. Yeah, but in the end, I think okay, I'm going to have to go for the obvious and go for Edison, just because, just okay. because. I mean, look at the goal type of goalkeeper he is. I mean, yes, mm. he's had. You know, I think a lot of goalkeepers make mistakes and all that. I think he made a couple at the beginning, mm. but for the rest of the season, all of that and kind of, it's not just his goalkeeping ability, but you also look at his technical ability. You look at, I mean, his passing range, you know, I think he must, I don't know where he got an assist earlier on in the season or, not, or something like that, or he at least contributed in some way. But it's... Uh, He's definitely got like one or two assists, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like his distribution of play and how he can ping it out like mm. that, you know, on a sixpence, you know, to the forwards and all of that. Yeah. So it was close. For me, it was between Edison and uh, Hen- uh, Dean Henderson. Mm. Yeah, so, but I would edge it out just because of that. For me, it would be Edison. So, yeah. Just to put it into context, just sorry, just, just want to throw it out there that um, Edison doesn't actually have any goals this season and a certain other goal <laughs> does. So, um, okay. So, it's inter- so I did think about Edison, but I've actually, I have actually picked someone else. Oh, really? Um, I have. It was, I mean, Edison was, he was screaming out to me, but there was someone else. I just feel that has done really well this season in that position. Um, And I actually went for the Aston Villa keeper, Martinez. Fair enough. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, go on. What was your reasons for picking Martinez then over all the others? Um, so Edison's a great season, don't get me wrong. But um, I think since the start of the season, obviously Martinez went in, new team. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, obviously last season, Villa really struggled with clean sheets, didn't they? Like they conceded so many oh, goals. Yeah. They did, um, yeah. When he's just gone in there, he's kept. So I was looking at his stats. He's got like the third most, third or fourth most clean sheets, third or fourth, coming to that position, but most saves. Yep. He saved them in like big games uh, yep. against like Arsenal and, and like Chelsea. Even like against us, when you know, even when they we, when they smashed us seven two, he was like making saves where we could have made made the game interesting. Yep. Um, and I feel like he's made a huge impact on Villa um, this season. And I mean, they could. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they still could get um, Europa League. 
Well, I was going to say, yeah, because yeah. I was thinking the position that they're in at the moment. So they are currently Aston Villa. They're about mid table somewhere, like 11th or yeah. 10th. Yeah, yeah, they're somewhere around there. So it's like, you know, I think it's around like them and Leeds or something like that, isn't it? It's, uh, I yeah, it's them, Arsenal and Leeds are kind of scrapping out for like ninth and eighth, roughly. <laughs> Sorry, Arsenal. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, but yeah, he has, I did think about him, you know, he was mm. one I was like, yes, yeah, he has had a good season. Yeah, but I was trying to think in the overall perspective about you know kind of with the league and all of that and obviously with their position because I thought they would finish higher I thought you know the way that Aston Villa started and all of that mm. really good and all that uh, I mean you know they've had like a few odd results and so on but you know they have been they haven't really been in a relegation battle you know compared to the last couple of seasons so it's uh mm. but yeah he has, he has definitely played his part yeah when yeah. he came in and started it's like I think a lot of people are saying yeah he's actually been a really good signing for him yeah, one of the signings of the season, I think. Um, and when you see like how Arsenal have done, it's kind of baffling that they were so happy just to let him go. Because um, he's probably, for me, he's probably one of the best goalies in the Premier League at the moment, for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, yeah, as you said, some of the games, you know, he's been important in some of those games and all of that. It's, uh, and yeah, when you think of some of the matches they've played where they've done pretty well, but also the ones when they come up against some of the higher opposition and all yeah. of that. And uh, he has played his part in those. Definitely, definitely. But it does mean that we have yeah. opposing goalies, so we have to pick one. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I mean, we both made good cases for him. I mean, I think, what is it? It's really tricky because, mm. as I said, you know, you've either got the Premier League winning goalkeeper. Yeah. Who is, you know, is pretty much, he can pretty much do it all, technical ability and all that. Or you've got, as you said, more of the sign-ins of the season. Mm. Thing who have really helped Aston Villa in a way. Yeah. Yeah. This is tricky. So it's um I think considering Edison has won the Premier League, um, yeah. and as you said, I think distribute like Martinez is good, but I think when it comes to like distribution inside, Edison's probably the best. Yeah. Um, and considering that he probably has like one or two assists to his name, um, I I would I would not mind kind of uh, admitting defeat on that one I'd probably say Edison is probably more deserving over Martinez fair enough but no yeah. I, I appreciate that I mean yeah. Mar- Martinez we got to mention yeah Martinez has had a good season I think you know I think if it wasn't yeah for that I think if it wasn't for his distribution side we'd probably be putting him in the team of the season I think so yeah it's, uh... all right so I'm going to remove Martinez from mine um so Edison's the, <laughs> Edison makes the cut right. all right um, I'll kick off with the right back. Um, we'll alternate positions. I think that's a fair way of doing it. That um, good. So right back is actually the one position where I felt like I really struggled to pick one. Same. Yeah, that was a real struggle for me as well. So I'm, I'll be interested to hear who you've got. Now. So. so I had about four and I narrowed it down to two. So it was between Kufal for West Ham and... Okay. Cancelo for Man City, but I have decided to go with another City player and I've gone Cancelo. Um, oh, I know he hasn't right. played all the games, but yep. he's when he's played, he's been like quite versatile. So he's played like a couple of games in midfield. He's had he's had goals, assists, and when he's played, like when he came into the team, so they obviously had that bad start. He came yep. to the team, and then they, I don't know, the way they play, they, they there was a sort of different energy about them. And I think he was yep. a big part of like playing out from the back and helping them play that style. So. 
it's a tough one, but I'm 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 narrowly going to throw Cancelo in there. But there was a lot of honourable mentions, or one or yeah. two honourable mentions that I could have gone. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, in that case, yeah, as I just said, yeah, right back. This was goalkeeper and right back were tricky. Right back, I've been honestly, I've been thinking about it for the last couple of hours during work because that was <laughs> that was the one position where there wasn't. For some reason, there just wasn't a standout, like a really clear standout name. Because mm. obviously, if, if Alexander Arnold had the season like he's had over the last few seasons, yeah, he would have been it absolutely. Oh yeah, he would I have mean, walked it for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he still had, you know, he still had seven assists so far this season. You know, so he's still mm. the highest amount for a defender. You know, not the same as his twelve or fourteen assists in the previous season. Yeah, but you know. And that's, you know, so we couldn't put him in because of the start of the season and all of that. So I couldn't put it put in for that. No, I agree. So, so for me, really, it was kind of, it was really, yeah, I didn't have many options for this. So I think I decided to go for Reese James at right back. So it's, uh, mm. now, I don't know how I'm going to argue, so because you argued um, your player quite well so it's uh, but I, I went for him at right back only because yes Chelsea did have a bad you know they have had a bad start of the season but mm. you know it's like he's kind of started to come through and obviously if you look at you know he has got the strength the speed you know his defensive ability is improving the more he plays and all of that mm. so the more experience he's getting he is getting better and he has chipped in you know he has helped with goals and all of that. And I think obviously where you look at the England squad and obviously with Rhys James being, you know, kind of a player in that sense for that position, you know, one who could potentially start at the Euros and so on, that was my reason for him. But Mm. other players, I would probably say it was either between him or Walker, I would say, for that. Yeah, I was kind of... So I I was considering Rhys James, um, but I didn't know if I was convinced that in terms of consistency because like you said I think Chelsea were a bit all over the place to start um I'd considered Walker as well but I feel I know I feel like when I watch Man City they they seem stronger kind of playing out from the back and going forward um with Cancelo in that team and I feel like he adds a bit more versatility so that's why I ended up playing him but it's a bit tough one because I think Reese James is is a really a really good shout yeah, he is a quite a promising, you know, kind of young player. And it's kind of, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you have made a good shout. You you have made a good shout for yours. So <laughs> it's tricky. I mean, I would say, yeah, this is, it's yeah, this one. is a tricky one. I mean, I would almost go with yours just because of, as you said, more consistency and all of that. Whether that's more down to the team rather than the player, I'm not too sure. But mm. as I said, this was one of the trickiest positions I could think because for me, there wasn't like a standout kind of player for no. me. So it's uh, so for me, you know, I'm happy to concede my one for, you know, it's uh, for him anyway. So looks like so does Cancelo get make the cut then? He does, yes. Cancelo does make the cut, I'd say. All right, Mr. James, we, we apologise. Um, condolences for Saturday as well. But there we go, Cancelo is in the team. <laughs> um, right, so we've got our centre-backs now. Um, centre-back number uno, uh, right. Sean. Uh, who right. is your first CB? Right, straight off the bat, Ruben Diaz. Straight off the bat. I yeah. would say, for me, since 
because what I said before, you saw last season, you saw last season with when they missed Vince and company. As soon as company went to Anderlecht, as a player manager and all of that, you could see they were missing kind of the leadership of the back. Mm. They were missing, obviously, the defensive skills, as you say, the leadership skills there. And it was kind of, they'd been looking to try and replace that. Well, they've been trying to look to do that for the last few seasons. I mean, you look at how they spent, they spent 200 million pounds once summer on just defenders. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, so for him to come in and it's kind of him at the back and all of that, when he's been in the side, they've been very consistent. You know, mm. it's kind of because I, it, Man City have had, almost a season like Liverpool had last season where, you know, they'll have the few games where they'll score a few goals in the matches, but they've had a lot of games where they've been quite tight. You know, they've been yeah. like against against the lower opposition and all of that, where, you know, it's going to be like a 2-0 or a 2-1 or something like that. And they've needed kind of the defence. And, you know, if you compare it to last season where they kind of get, where they kind of got pulled apart a bit or they kind of, you know, made a few mistakes here and there, and all of that, he has been, you know, he costs a lot of money, but he mm. has been the one, you know, he has been the one you could just see straight away. He is just able to calm things down and all of that. And he has been the one who has been in there over, you know, the other centre-backs. So, I mean, I, I agree. I, I So I also have Ruben Diaz. Um, I feel like he was uh, almost an essential in this team. Like, oh, yeah, yeah like, like you said, he's just made a huge difference because... Before they, because they start the season with um, Ake and um, the guy that wears the rugby hat. I forgot his name. His name's escaped me. Uh, yeah. I mean, did Ake, was Ake signed in the summer? Was he signed at the last transfer window or was it the one before he was uh, signed? It was yeah. the summer. Yeah. And I remember the sort of first few games, they were like all over the place and you kind of looked at them and you thought, okay, yeah, they, they might struggle to get top four this season. And then Diaz came in straight into the team, yep. absolutely solid, confident on the ball, can pop in with a yep. few goals, good in the air. He's just yep. been the complete defender, I think. He has, yeah. As you know, you look at him and all of that, as you say, yeah, the complete defender. I mean, obviously, a Guardiola side has to have that technical ability on the ball and so on and all of that. But he has been, yeah, you know, when he's been trying to figure out his centre back partnerships and all of that, mm. he is the one that would normally stick on there in the Premier League. So it's, uh, so I'm, so I'm quite glad that we've gone for him then. I'm glad we've agreed on him anyway. So. <laughs> Our first, our first agreement. Yes. <laughs> um, the tough question is who's going to partner Diaz. So I was split between two players. Ooh, okay. Um, uh... But Man City fans are going to be happy because I have picked another City player. Yep. And it's actually over a United player. So I was considering Hazard Maguire. Ooh, um, I would not expect you to think of uh, Mr. Maguire. It's, uh... <laughs> I I considered him, but then yes, I I ousted yes. him in favour of John Stones. Yeah. Um, it was a tough one because I'll say I'll tell you why I kind of thought Maguire. So he had a really difficult start to the season, and he yep. was a bit of a laughing stock. Um, but as the season's gone on, like he's been one. He's to be fair, I think he's been one of the most solid centre backs there. Like you see how Man United have kind of become quite an efficient team. Yeah. Like they've not played great at times, but they, they're resilient at the back and they'll nick the odd goal. They'll have a score a few goals um, like late on and stuff. And Maguire has been, he's been a good leader, you know, wins balls in the air, can, has got better kind of playing out. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's yeah. still not great. Yeah. You know, as, but he's, yeah. he's improved a lot. 
but I, I, I think John Stones and Diaz together have just been like absolutely immense. And Stones has had a bit of a resurgence. I think he's popped in with some goals. Him and Diaz have just built like an amazing partnership defensively and playing mm-hmm. out from the back. He's just he's just evolved into something else this season. Um, and I think it's been a real like, um, you know, a, a kind of story of him rebuilding himself, John Stones. So. I think, considering that they haven't proved defensively, and obviously they've won the league, I, I, yeah, I had to go with kind of a city defense essentially here. So, yeah, John Stones is my other centre back. Okay, okay. Well, you'll be happy to know that my choice also was John Stones for Lovely. you know for the yeah. second centre back part for a second back centre back, and yeah, I think you've just summed up there straight away. It's kind of like he has had a renaissance, like you know he was being linked. You know, he wasn't getting in the squad at all, like in the team, kind of like start 11. He could have gone off to Arsenal. You know, there are links with him going to like, the, yeah, Arsenal, other clubs like that, you know, maybe yeah. in the top six or below. And it's kind of, you know, he had made mistakes before where it's kind of like, and that has cost him his place over the season. Yeah. It's kind of, you've seen him this year and it's like, yeah, he is, as you said, him and Diaz at the back have been, such a solid partnership that you know they're not letting anything pass them and you know it's kind of you, I think as you see with other centered center back defenses and all that partnerships and all of that is kind of you've got to have you know you, it's a good having one really good center back view you've also got to have someone there with that extra, with that quality as well and mm. someone who work together and yeah John Stones yeah he's you know he's popped up with important goals and all of that and and so on being technically solid as well. And yeah, as you said, somehow, yeah, I was not expecting him to be playing so much in that centre-back pairing for Man City. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great choice on that. So Yeah, because I remember last season, like sort of start of last year when it was him and... So remember when like Laporte got injured and it was him and Otamendi? And oh, yeah. they just looked like they were going to concede every time they, they tried to play out from the back. So to go from that to, to what he's doing now is just incredible really and it's quite encouraging with the Euros coming up as well oh yeah exactly definitely it's uh yeah you're gonna see to see him in that vein of form now going into it because it's uh, that has been something you know we I think we just talked about it before just in general in work just work terms and out of work is kind of mm. like yeah that centre-back partnership for England and all of that is something where they're a little bit weaker so having someone who has been showing up a bit more that will only do them good when it's coming up in June so yeah but I would mention my honourable mention for it because you know I was of the names and all of that and yeah it was I was trying to think of other people and all that so obviously John Stones was the one that popped up but as a weird kind of out of their kind of selection I was almost thinking of Fabinho centre-back yeah, As, but you know, just because of how he's had to step in and just turn himself into a centre back, pretty mm. much off the bat, and he's had to kind of just be right. You got to lead this back line. You're going to have 15 million other defenders playing alongside. <laughs> All of our other players are going to get injured, so yeah. it's uh, so you know you got to do your bit, and you know, mm. and he has managed to step in at times. You know, some results haven't gone Liverpool's way this year. You know, no. we all know. But it, uh, he's had to do what he's had to do. So he was like a surprise for in my head about that <laughs> in that position. So, yeah, no, I think Fabinho is a shout 
Um, Because I kind of did consider him, um, but then I thought about, okay, consistency. He's obviously, especially recently, been kind of started to be back in midfield and been playing with, you know, tried different other partnerships as Phillips and and, uh, Williams. Um, But I think Fabinho, to be fair, for Fabinho to just go in there and perform the way he has is incredible. But um, yeah, I didn't pick him in that position either because I just felt like we just look so much weaker when he's not in that midfield. Oh, but absolutely. he's done an absolutely great job, I think, filling in for Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. You know, as we said, you know, it's kind of, he's had to step in. Everyone's dropping like flies kind of thing. So, yeah. It's, so, yeah. So he was a consideration. And it's like, you know, so he would be an honourable mention in that just because he's had to be a centre-back. So mm. There is one other honourable mention. I don't know how you feel about this. But one other honourable mention, I think he's, I mean, had he, I mean, had he played maybe more games, he could be in here. But yep. Lord Lord Nathaniel Phillips, um, I think he's Ooh. been incredible every time he's played. To be honest, no, we could <laughs> be, we could. I would say, you know, as Liverpool fans, I would be like, yes, he has been really good. But I'm thinking, gotta keep it neutral for this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is not this is not the Liverpool podcast for this. <laughs> it's, uh, but yes, he has had, yeah, to step in as well because he hadn't had. Well, he was going to go off to Germany. I think he was going to go back into either... He was either going to go into Bundesliga or he's even going to go down to Bundesliga 2, mm. I think. I don't know which team it was or what division they were in. But, yeah, it's the fact he stepped in, you know, he's a local lad as well, which was good to see, you know, someone mm. with that passion there and all that, so he knows, you know, about that. And I think at the start, you know, Klopp mentioned that, you know, his technical ability wasn't great. He put it in his own terms that his technical ability yeah. wasn't but yeah, I got better, you know, I think working and training with the other players, he has got better, you know, and so on. And he will just head or anything. Literally. Yeah. It's, uh, if the incredible Hulk was standing in the goal mouth, I think he would, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, he would have no hesitation then. So yeah. It's, uh... Do you know what? Controversial opinion, right? Next yeah. season, I would consider when Van Dyke's back, I'd go Van Dyke and Phillips at the back. Really? Ooh. I'd, I'd consider it, you know. Well, we're going to have to see, obviously, as well. I don't know whether you've seen the reports about um, Kanate, Ibrahima Kanate from, whether I'm pronouncing his name right, I don't know. But from I think it's opinion, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're saying that personal terms have been agreed. I think some of the respected journalists yeah. and all of us saying that it's been agreed. Um, so, obviously, if we brought him in, that would be an interesting one. But I would definitely want to see Phillips at the club in, you know, as the four centre-backs that we should have. He mm. should be there with them next season because he's deserved his place to be playing in the Liverpool squad. So, absolutely, I think yeah, he's he's really yeah, like you said, like technically at the start he weren't great. Like yeah. he, 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 what I liked about what I like about him is he's not beautiful. Like he's not like a kind of like a like a like a Diaz or even a Van Dyke who could you know he's oh, delicate. Yeah. He's he's very old fashioned. Like if he sees a ball, he's he doesn't doesn't care if he's going to kill you. He's going for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But absolutely, I think he's done more than enough to to have a future at the club and maybe be like a big big player for us in the future. Because obviously Van Dyke and them are getting on a bit. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting uh, yeah, to see that, what happens with him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see next season. But yeah, absolutely, he deserves his place in the team next year. So mm. Maybe just see if Canate does go through, how he gets on. Um, yeah. Yes, but, exactly. That yeah. would be interesting. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll find out. We'll find out. Um Okay, so I feel like, so we're on to left back. Yeah. 
I feel like we've gone down the same route. So I'm going to let you tell me who you've got a left back first. Okay, right. Now, for me, it was between two players. I mean, they were kind of very similar. <clears throat> they were very similar, like in terms of the season they had, in terms of their statistics. You know, they both made so far the same amount of assists and all of that. Um, so for me, I've decided to go for Luke Shaw as my left back. Yeah. And the reason for that is because, I mean, you've seen what's happened to him over the last few seasons since he's joined United. You know, he's been, sometimes he's been, obviously he hadn't had the greatest of formers at United. He hadn't had the best of luck at United either. I mean, obviously once he broke his leg in that European tie, mm. you know, it took him a lot of time to recover from that and, you know, to try and pick up form from that. Um, so to see him this season, you know, it's kind of to see him have that resurgence, you know, he's been good at the back. You know, he has been quite good defensively and all of that, but he has been, he's shown that energy, I think, you know, compared to, as we're saying, I think this year where players expect to be quite tired and all of that, you know, because the fixture pile up and so on. Yeah. He's been one that has shown, you know, a lot of energy trying to get down, get down that left side, you know, deliver balls in and, you know, he's still got that delivery about him. And yeah, I think for him to get back into the England squad, and all of that, you know, it's, uh, I think, from where we're looking, saying, you know, the talent that he had and he wasn't living up to it, but he starts, you know, he's had a good season this year. And I think, you know, he's been a good part of Man United's success in the Premier League. Yeah, so. I, I agree. I, so I also went with Luke Shaw. Um, I felt like he was almost, uh, when, when I was doing this team, he was like one of the first choices because... Really? Yeah, I mean, like, he's always been good, but as you yeah. said, he's always he's for a few years now. He's especially since he broke his leg, he's really struggled for form. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to, as you said, with the fixture partner everything, to to be in the form that he's in, like defensively strong, energy up and down the pitch, he's even popped yeah. in with one or two goals. He's just been like the complete left back this year. Um, it's been very reminiscent, like it's almost as if we're back in like 2014 when he just burst onto the scene. Like it's been that level of consistency. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you think about it. Yeah, how he's been. You know. Yeah, you think about when he was at Southampton and all of that. And he's actually been able to kind of recapture that kind of, almost that kind of yeah, that skill, that little bit of um, technical quality and that magic that he has. You know, that wanted Manu to go out and spend so much money on him. I suppose so. It's uh, yeah. I, I think it's crazy. If you had told me like even four years ago when. What was, it, what was that quote Mourinho used? It was like he did, I can't remember the exact quote, you might be able to remember, he said, when Mourinho was there, he said something like, it was it was my brain in his body or something. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And saying how he's unfit and stuff like that. So to go from that to, to England's first choice left back by a mile and playing the way he has is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you because who out of interest would you have had as your honourable mentions? I mean, for left back I mean I know for me it was the toss up was between Luke Shaw and Ben uh, Chilwell but I thought Chilwell had has he's had a good season yes but mm. I think obviously compared to Shaw you know is kind of how he's got back into it and you know if he yeah for example if he's going to be number one left back for England then it just shows kind of the resurgence that he's also had this season and the chances he's taken so yeah I mean to answer that question, I think, yeah, Chilwell was the only one I considered. 
because I think yeah. he's had a really good season, but he's been he's had a few injuries here and there, hasn't he? Um, where he's been out spells yeah. out the team and stuff. And when he has played, he's been excellent. Um, yeah. So it was very. I'll tell you who else I think has been pretty good. He's not been great. It wasn't really an honourable mention, but I think he's been good. Mm-hmm. Is um, the one that plays for Everton, uh, Digne? I think he's had a pretty good season. Yeah, Digne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought of him. It's, uh, but yeah, he's a good shout. Um, yeah. But mention that as well. I thought he wasn't going to get into the team of the season, but also um, thinking of Kieran Tierney. I don't know whether I would pronounce his name right, but for Arsenal. Yeah, because he, he has been good, to be fair. Good, and he's been one of the rare, one of the few players that have actually provided that creativity in the Arsenal side and actually been able to create things for him, get things going. But he wasn't going to get into the team this season, but he was no. one that I thought about, you know. Yeah, I think someone else that I also can, uh, thinks deserves a, an honourable mention, again, not team of the season level, but deserves an honourable mention, I think. Um, Aaron Cresswell, I don't know if you agree yeah. with that. I think he's yeah. had a pretty good season again. He has, yeah, do you know, because I think I was you know, just going through some like the stats and all of that. I think just the other day, just looking up for this really. And it was, yeah, he has had technically like statistically a good season, you know, as kind of the sissies brought into the side, you know, as I said, um, with the West Ham side this season, it kind of weren't really expecting. So he's been, yeah, he has been a good player, but yeah, I didn't even think about him at all. It's uh... Yeah. Interesting. Some interesting honourable mentions there. Um, a lot of them English as well, which is uh, encouraging for the Euros. It is, um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we think about that. I didn't really think about it in that way. So, Awesome. All right, so right. Uh, after that, we have an all-Manchester defence, which is just a lot about how <laughs> them two teams have done, which is job yeah. well done to Man City and United fans. I hope you're, uh, I'm sure you're very happy and enjoying our, our pain right now. <laughs> um, so we're on to our midfielders. Yeah. So obviously we've gone, I'm assuming you've gone with three central midfielders, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I've gone with, yeah. So it would either be like your centre mid or your centre attacking mid. That's what I've kind of gone with. If that's, yeah, the right kind of. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I will do this as, uh, as we'll say, we'll say if we've got like, the same ones or whatever as we go. So yeah. I'll tell you my first central midfielder. Okay. Um, and I have gone for... And that's another Manchester United player. Oh, <laughs> it's it's. I have a feeling you've got him as well. It's it's Bruno Fernandez. Um, I mean, admittedly, I think in the big games he's he's not turned up as much, mm-hmm. but his contribution I think is incredible. Like considering he's a central midfielder, he's the third highest scorer in the league, eighteen yep. goals, which like for a centre mid is absolutely incredible. He's uh, pulled Man United out of crazy situations, assists creative I just think on a whole he's just been an absolute game changer um, for United this season um, my only sort of criticism of him would be like I said that in, in terms of the big games the Liverpools the Spurs Chelsea Cities the sparring penalties he's not shown up but I mean from the spot in those games he has delivered to be fair to him but um, I think he's been probably United's best player by a country mile um, and he for me absolutely walked into this um, team of the season Wow, fair enough, fair mm. enough. Um, right, so in that case, yeah, for my for my midfielder for that position, I would be agreeing with you on this again. So uh, I would also be putting Bruno Fernandes into that midfield three. I think, as you said there, he had to go into that side because I think, as you know, as you said, I think, yeah, sometimes he hadn't turned up to the big games, you know, against the top six and all of that. 
And some people will say, obviously, a lot of his goals have come from penalties. You know, nine of his goals out of the 18 have been penalties. But then when you look at that, so obviously you take those nine goals away, he still scored 11 goals and he still, well, sorry, he still scored nine goals, sorry, and mm-hmm. he's provided 11 assists. So yeah. he's still, so he's still contributed to 20 goals, which is much more than any of the other players I've seen on this list when compiling it. And, you know, just the type of character he brings. I think a Man United side without Bruno Fernandes in just mm. wouldn't have that fight, that determination, you know, He's not afraid to get have a go at his players. I think that's yeah. the one when he came into the side. I don't know, I don't know whether you saw it when he was at uh, Sporting Lisbon, um, where he had a go at like his team and all that. He's been known, you know, for being a bit controversial there and all of that. And mm. he wants the best from the players that plays around him, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, he brings that to Man United. And I think with that, you know, I think you've seen it like when he hasn't been playing. You know, mm. where games have been getting tough and so on. They've either had to bring him on from the bench, for example, and give, him, give them that creativity, that spark, almost just that bite, determination, grit kind of thing that would be missing. And it's, yeah, I think, as you said as well, he had to go into the side because of the contributions that he's made, you know. So he would definitely be in my uh, midfield three. Yeah, it's like you said, there's a notable... Because I mean, he's played like most games, but in the when there's games he hasn't played, there's a notable drop off in like their yeah. their their intensity and their general play, and then he comes on, he just makes a difference. Um, and like I said he's hungry. I mean, there was a game I think it was against Sheffield United, the one they lost. Well, yeah. I think it was for one of I think one of Sheffield United's goals, where you just saw Martial just like walking back and Bruno like, absolutely slaying him. Like it's that sort of presence that he's yeah. added, as well as the the, the crazy passing, the overall creativity long shots, headers. He's, he's, he's actually scored a good variety of goals when you actually think about it. Because, yeah, I think that's the thing because a lot of people, obviously, you know, they complain about the penalties and all that. But as you say, yeah, it's kind of, you know, he scored a lot of long-range strikes. You know, his free kicks have been, you know, really good as well. And it's kind of, it has been a mix, you know. I think people look at him and think, oh, he's their penalty taker. And they've had loads of penalties, but you've got to, you kind of got to look at everything else and you kind of got to look at his contribution, not just in terms of statistics, but in terms of his contribution to the Man United team as a whole, as a whole this season. Definitely. I think, yeah, Bruno, an honourable entry into the team of the season. So I'll let you take the next central midfielder uh, who is joining Bruno in the, in the middle. Okay. So I think I'm going to go with my one, which is my probably more safer option. I think I'm going to leave my more unsure option for the next one. But I would, next one would be to go in would be Kevin Debrana of okay. Manchester City. I mean, we know kind of the technical quality that he possesses and all of that. And, you know, he has become, he has become like that part of the spine in the Man City team. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of his passing and all of that, his distribution, his control kind of dictating play and all of that has been, you know, where the games have been tight and they've needed that spark kind of thing to create those chances and all that, you know, he could just, just ping a pass out, flick it on. You know, I think I've watched many match of the day highlights where he's pulled out some unbelievable passes just to split open a defence. Mm. I mean, cause what, he's contributed about 11 assists this season. So I think he's, he's one of the higher ones in the league, I think. But, 
I think just his overall play and all of that, you know, as I said, yeah, in the tighter games, in the tighter games and all of that, he has been the one to help unlock those defences. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because um, that is very interesting because um, I, so my, I'll, I'll give you a slight spoiler, right? So okay. my other two midfielders are Manchester City midfielders. Okay. But okay. They, they're not Belgian. <laughs> they're not really? Belgian. Okay. Um, right. But I've got my reasoning. Okay. So yeah. I will tell you the first one that I've put. Yep. Um, and then once we've done the midfielders, we'll decide if De Bruyne gets in ahead of these guys, one of these guys or whatever, if that works for you. Yeah, yeah that works fine. Yeah, because I think I'd better reveal my other option as well, because that might be interesting for your <laughs> choice. So the first of Pep's men that's making it in is, um, I'm going to try and run our best spells because it's a really weird spelling. Yep, Ilkay Gundogan. I think that's how the commentators say it, right? Gundogan, Gundogan. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, he was an absolute shoo-in, um, especially as sort of the second half of the season. He's just been absolutely incredible because obviously City this season have barely had a fit striker. So they've been kind of playing around with players through the middle. He's contributed 12 goals, two assists, which for a centre mid is incredible. In the big games, he's turned up. I mean, against us, he scored like two goals. Could have had a hat-trick if he hadn't missed the penalty against Spurs, Chelsea. He's just been so consistent um, and has pretty much spearheaded um, City's title win from midfield. So, yeah, I think without him this season, they probably would be either second or third or something. Um, but he's just been crazy uh, in terms of delivering what they, what we thought they were going to be lacking when there was no Jesus, no Aguero. So, yeah, right. I've gone for, for Gundogan. Okay. Right. Um, so how do you want to play this then? So obviously we have our final, we'll have our final choice for centre mid. And because I, how would you want to play it with this? It's, uh, it looks like we're going to have to have a little uh, tactical discussion. So I'll let you reveal your final centre mid. Okay, so my final centre mid, which will probably make things a bit easier, is how do you pronounce it? E.K. or A.K., however you pronounce his first name, Gundogan. Il- Il- Ilkai? Ilkai, yeah. I think that's how you say it. It's, it's the surname that's the bastard for me. Yeah. For me, it's like Gundogan. I've always known it's Gundogan, but it's always been his first name. I'm like, it's Ilkai, Ilki, I have to know. But, it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, for me, my other option, which was my one which I was unsure about, actually, compared to other midfielders, because there were some really strong contenders. Mm. he's the one I decided to put in and I think as you said he's provided 12 goals for I mean when you look at the Man United sorry Man United side the Man City side you look at the the side and there hasn't been like a clear goal scorer in the side you know Sterling has scored 10 goals I think um Gabriel Jesus he's I think he's only just got into double figures or he's just below on double below it uh Mares as well he's probably on like on nine goals and some of like that. So there hasn't been a clear standout goal scorer in the side. And as you said, the second half of the season and all of mm. that, he's popped up in the big games and he scored, you know, scored some important goals and all of that. But he's, he's finally, in a way, seeing him how he's played this season is the Gundogan that I expected to see when he joined City. Because he's been, you know, I've been a big fan of Gundogan when he was at Dortmund and all of that. I thought mm, he was one of, the, 
I've always wanted the complete kind of center midfielders. You know, he's kind of, he could score goals. He could, you know, he's good creativity and all that, his passing ability, but he could also do, you know, the dirty work of tackling, tracking back, you know, kind of all of that kind of stuff and intercepting play and all of that. And when he joined Man City, you know, he obviously he still had his injuries, you know, he still had his injuries at Dortmund and he kind of carried that over into City. So seeing him this season has been the one of being like, this is the player Man City have been waiting for kind of thing. Yeah. And I, with his goals, without having the main goal scorer, he has been quite important in the, in the tight games and all of that in those games as well. So yeah, absolutely. I think if we're going to agree on one, we'll have to agree on Gundogan. Yeah. And then we'll have to take it and see what our... Um, see what other choices so right so it looks like uh, it's good to and Fernandez are in yeah so it's going to be between De Bruyne and and my selection so it is another City player it's been all Manchester players so far okay. um okay I don't know how you're going to feel about this so this <laughs> is a, a young man who has had he's played I think he's played up front in a couple of games yep. he's primarily played uh, more of a sort of cam kind of role sometimes on the wing he's kind of had a variation but I I couldn't really not include him it is mm-hmm. Mr. Philip Foden. Um, a bit controversial, yeah. but I've got my reasons. So so I was looking this up. So he's actually played more two more games than De Bruyne. Okay. Uh, um, he scored seven goals, five yeah. assists. Um, I think in the big games this season, he's, I mean, against us, he absolutely tore us to absolute shreds. Oh. He humiliated us he on our did, own turf. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember, I keep on seeing, I don't know, whoever is like Sky TV or something like that, whenever they have their adverts on, I keep on seeing that Phil Foden goal where he just blasts it in between Alisson's hands. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he has scored some important goals. I, yes, as you said. I also think like, for his age, he's, he's since the start of the season, he's just been like the one consistent player. Like he brings energy, goals, assists, skill. He has character. Um, he's just been the complete player this season. And I think he's been an, an, a crucial part of why they've done so well, why they went on that 21 uh, match winning streak, whatever it was, that's pretty much helped them um, to glory. Um, and I just think he's been unreal for his age as well. And Oh, yeah. He's 19, isn't he? Uh, 19, or, 19 or 20? And yeah. Well, I no. personally... Sorry, I'll say I personally feel that he's contributed more to their success slightly than De Bruyne in the Premier League, which is why I've opted to go for him over KDB. Ooh, that is interesting because I did think of him. I thought when I was selecting my midfield three, I did think of him and he would have been an honourable mention in mine. Yeah. But that was where, that was when I was deciding between him Another player, which I'll mention once we've des- decided this, and Gundogan. Mm. So, it, uh, so he was going to be my kind of one of my next choices to go in. And I was, I'm in an R in between these few. I mean, yeah, I was he 19, 20 years old. He has had mm. a standout season, you know, and it's, he, is, he has turned up to big games, you know, it's kind of like where we compare Bruno Fernandes for not scoring you know, in these games against the top six, mm. he is coming. And in those games, which have been quite important, you know, just to 
give them that uh, give them that gap over their rivals and all of that. He has been important. Whether, as we say, you know, Debrana, obviously we know the kind of player he is and mm. how important he is with his creativity. So now, yeah, how we're going to decide this, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, because I thought I thought you would have selected Debrana straight off. I thought mm. you would have gone for him and gone, yep, he would have been him along with Bruno Fernandes. So it's... Uh, it's a so, tough one. It's it a is. tough one. <laughs> so, so just sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I think, yeah, so we've got to think of obviously their contributions overall. Yes, De Bruyne has more assists and all of that, and so on. You know, Foden's had a good season, and so on. The thing <sighs> this... De Bruyne is, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's been quite a few games that he's missed. Um, like yeah. I, suppose, I know Foden's only played slightly more but I just feel he's had more like, like, don't be wrong De Bruyne has been excellent but yeah. I just don't feel he's been at the same sort of level as he was say two three years ago maybe whereas I think Foden's just been world class which is why I wasn't really I was quite happy to pick him over KDB interesting interesting because I don't know how well because obviously I don't know how much um, De Bruyne and Foden have played together or haven't played when one of the other players haven't played, for example. Mm. So you know, when De Bruyne hasn't been in the side and all of that, yes, the other players do well and all of that, but they are missing that. They miss that link. And I don't know whether Foden, yes, Foden has done well in that, you know, it's, uh, but whether he's the essential cog in the machine yet he, he has the potential to be it but whether he has been a potential cog this season I think is my thinking so I mean I, I think Foden the way he's played he's, he plays more like a sort of 25 year old been in you know he's, he plays like someone who's been playing for like sort of six seven years yeah. and this is, this is only like his what second proper senior season where he's sort of really getting games yeah so it's a tough one. It's a tough one. This is this is a tough decision. As I said, I didn't. I thought Foden might show up, but oh, ah, this is tricky. It's uh, how, how do how do we decide this? How do we decide this one? It's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm getting the impression you're not going to budge on KDV, right? I I don't know. It's it, I just find it tricky because. Kevin, because as I say, I find him as the spine. You know, he is part of the spine, you mm. know, of the Man City side. And it's kind of he hasn't obviously hadn't got the same kind of assists and all that as he does in previous seasons. Mm. But nonetheless, he has still been important. I think, especially with especially with like, you know where they don't have the main striker. Yeah, I know De Bruyne hadn't scored that many goals, but to set up other players, I think that's the thing, to yeah. help contribute in that sense. So... <laughs> I think there's only one way to decide this. Um, it's essentially going to have to go to golden goal. Oh, damn. Right, okay. which, is, which, is, which is statistics. So I'm just getting them up in front of me. Okay. okay. I think that's the fairest way to say this. Would you say that's fair? 
I think that's yeah. If you're sticking yeah. with Foden, I'm sticking with yeah. De Bruyne. I think that is fair. <laughs> so, Premier League, De Bruyne has got five goals, eleven assists. Mr. Yeah. Foden has seven goals, five assists. So, if we do our maths, which is obviously <laughs> my specialist subject, yeah. uh, sixteen goal contributions for De Bruyne, yeah. and twelve for Foden. So, by courtesy of Golden Goal, KDB is in. Damn, I didn't realise it was that close. I didn't really, you know, I know it's a good four goals and assists between them, but mm. yeah, Foden has done well in that yeah. sense. So it's, uh, that think, is close. Yeah, I think, I think they were both deserving, to be honest. Um, I just think obviously we had different, different opinions, clearly how, uh, on uh, sort of how large <laughs> their contributions were. Yes, I think, I think, you know, I think in that sense, having Gundogan in the side really makes things up. I think if we were kind of split on them, I think we might have been like, okay, we'll probably go with De Bruyne and Foden or something like that. It's, uh, but who are your honourable mentions then? Because I had a lot. I There was a lot going through my mind about this. So De Bruyne was definitely one I thought about um, before yeah. I picked Foden. Um, I did think about Mason Mount. He was one big one. Initially, I did actually pick him, but then I changed my mind because... He had a good, a, respect, a decent-ish start, but I feel like he only really took off once Tuchel came in, which was sort of January, February, when they were way out of the title race. Um, oh, yeah. So then I thought, I, no, it wouldn't have really been fair to yeah, uh, pick him. Yeah, I think Matt, he has had, you know, he's had a good season. As, well, good season once, um, to, is it Tuchel? How Tuchel, or how you pronounce his name? I think it's Tuchel. Yeah. yeah, I don't think how you pronounce it, but um, but yeah, once he came in, it was kind of you got to see Mount playing a few different positions, and he's popped up with a few goals and all of that. But I would say he hasn't, yeah, as you say, the start of the season and all of that, you would have to take him out compared to the others. And I think, I mean, I know for me, one of the ones I was thinking of, and this was the one I was deciding between with Gundogan, was uh, Jack Grealish. Because yes. he obviously he had an absolutely brilliant first half of the season. He has the games he played and the way he was playing and all of that, you know, and kind of how he was, you know, his creative play and all of that. And I think he's, you know, contributed about, in terms of goals or assists, it's been about 16 goals. Mm. I think so he's been one of the higher midfielders out of Debrana, um, out of, yeah, out of all the others. But I think, I think I had to think a bit about, obviously, the position they're probably going to finish in. Obviously, that's not to do with him and all of that. And yeah. obviously, more the second half of the season where he hasn't had the same, he hasn't, you know, like done the same as he has done in the first season. No, he's had a few injuries and all of that. But yeah. it was a weird, that was a really tricky kind of choice for me between them. And I wasn't sure whether you're going to put Grealish in there for some reason or not, but... Yeah, I did I did think about Grealish, um, but I'm kind of, I can't kind of say in Bert as you, where he started like explosive, yeah. um, but through a mix of injuries and maybe just where he petered off a bit, I just don't feel he was overly consistent as the season went on. And obviously he's yeah. been injured for quite a while, hasn't he? So He has, yeah. yeah. I think that was the thing. I think his injuries in the second half, you know, it's uh, that, that kind of was one of the things that maybe stopped him. If he carried on to the second... Mm. He would be getting into that. He would be getting into that, and that would have been a tricky choice for other yeah. midfielders, I think. But 
there's one other midfielder. I, he wasn't going to get into the team of the season, but just an honourable shout out um, is Harrison from Leeds. Uh, he I has don't know, been good. I don't know because he has been a quiet one and he wasn't really one until I noticed a few days ago where he's scored eight goals and he's got eight assists. Mm. So he's been on the same as Grealish and he's been, you know, close to De Bruyne as well in terms of contribution of goals and assists altogether. Mm. So he's gone about it very quietly. And so, you know, I just want to give a shout out to him and all of that because he's had a a quietly Mm. successful season with Leeds, to be fair. So... No, I agree. I think I think Harrison is really good. I think he's on loan from City, isn't he? So he might be someone yeah. that I, I think he is. I might I might be wrong. I'm I'm pretty sure he's on loan there. So yeah. he might be someone that Pep's looking at maybe for one for the future because yeah, he's had a cracking season. Flipping egg, yeah. We, oh, don't believe we have another one, another good promising English midfielder going into <laughs> side. Ah, oh, damn. But no, he has had a good season, and it I just wasn't. It was one I only thought of recently. I was like. Yeah, he won't get into my team this season, but he has done quite well. Mm. There were there were two other kind of honourable mentions that I thought about. Um, yeah. They're both English. So one, I don't know how you feel about this, was um, very, very outside. He was never going to make it, but he's one I think deserves a bit of credit and an outside sort of shout out is um, James Ward-Prowse. I think he's yeah. had a pretty solid season again, the, the, the free kick master. Oh yeah. I yeah. think when well, people are comparing him, you know, his kind of, set piece delivery you know on corners free kicks and all of that he's they've been saying no he is you know top top notch midfielder you know kind of thing his delivery on the ball has been it's been quite impressive you know this season Mm. and he has has been essential for Southampton but you know it's kind of yeah he wouldn't get he wouldn't have got in you know it's kind of if he if he went on and scored a whole load of goals or had a whole load of assists and all of that maybe with the better kind of strike force you know and all of that someone to get those goals in then maybe but it's uh but yeah you definitely want to shout out for yeah. i'll tell you there was someone else who i i really considered putting in here but i decided not to um I, and again i don't know if you like this but it's it's, a, it's the man who has just won leicester their first ever fa cup but it was yuri tielemans um yes. i think yeah. he's really underrated and he's been brilliant for leicester i think Oh, he has, yeah. And he was, yes, he was another one I thought of as well. And it was like, yeah, he has been, he has been quite, he's been essential for Leicester. I think the way you've just seen him just in the FA Cup campaign and all of that and how he kind of his, his way of midfield and all of that, the goals that he scored or just his general play. I think he has the technical ability, you know, is kind of to keep things under control but also to kind of be that driving force for Leicester, you know, to try and get things moving, try and get teams on the back foot and all of that. It's, uh, but yeah, he's had a good season as well. I think mm. this was, I think the midfield was one of the trickiest ones because there have been so many standout mm. midfielders this season. It's, uh, no, it was, it was, it was very tough. Um, there was one other man and I figured I should save him till last because he is the, the footballing god. Um, I, I think you all know who I'm talking about. You know, it is good old Jay Ling's mate. Good old Lingardinho. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was because I wasn't sure whether you class him as a midfielder or whether you class him as a forward now. But it's... Uh, but I think he plays as a cam. I mean, I mean, a bit unrelated, but his FIFA team of the season card was as a cam. So I kind of assumed he was, 
Because I think I think he kind of plays like sort of yeah, just sort of behind the strikers, doesn't he? I, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. I was um and R about it because I was like, uh, well, yeah, obviously we know how well he's done in the second half of the season, but mm. cool, yeah, he has had a cracking, uh, <laughs> a cracking second half, and just how it's been about that. So, yeah. I think he's proved us all wrong. Because I mean, I I used to, I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to say how shit he was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I would hear this a lot from you, and I think a lot of us <laughs> in the office would agree. I think it's kind of you know, well, I thought you know he. I think he hardly got, I think it was one time, I think maybe when Edison got an assist and it mm. was at that time of the season or something like that. And he said, Edison has contributed more in terms of assists <laughs> than Jesse Lingard. Mm. And it was just like, yeah, he's having a torrid time. I mean, we thought, I don't know about you, but I thought he could be playing in relegation threatened teams. Mm. He's not therefore we could go down to the championship, at like a really extreme level kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, he, is, he has just come in and he's been a big part of why West Ham... I mean, it looks like they're going to fail to get top four, but he's been a big part of them even being in with a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, he's, he, I think he's shown us the real him, I think. Um, and and this is how messed up this past year has been, that if Jesse Lingard doesn't go to the Euros, I'll be outraged, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, I did not think I'd be hearing that from you. Yeah. Uh, oh, so he did because, yeah, as I said, we've had our opinions about him and so on. And it's just like, didn't think he was a great player at all. And of course, yeah, so how he's turned that around. And you could just see he needed that kind of, he just needed someone to give him that belief, you know, and just say, yes, go out and do your thing and give him the confidence to go and do that. Maybe Solskjaer, that he didn't see in him, you know, David yeah. Moore. Yeah, has just gone in there and go, yeah, I trust you. I believe in you. Kind of, you can be a big part to help us push on for European football. And mm. damn, he, he's certainly done his bit to try and do that anyway. So he does. I, ho- I hope he stays at West Ham because, yeah, yeah he looks he would, comfortable there. I'm happy for him. He does. Yeah. I think it's strange. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to see him go back to Manu. I think, you know, that just wouldn't do him any good. I think it's uh... no. Well, well, Jay Lings, if you're if you're listening to this, we, we wish you all the best uh, in yeah. your future endeavours. Um, <laughs> so we're on to the final three positions, which is wing, right wing, left wing, striker. Um, Sean, I will let you go first. Okay, um, right. I'll let so, you do. Do you want to do one of the wingers? Um, and so, just to clarify before we get on to this, so yes, are we doing as forwards? So it can be any forwards, or are you doing as wingers? You have your striker. Uh, it, as uh, forwards, yeah. So you can have wingers or strikers. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. In that case, I will start off with my my kind of more guaranteed ones, more comfortable ones to go in, shall we say? And that would be Harry Kane for me because he is still. I mean, Tottenham haven't had a great season, you know. Yeah. Right? I mean. You think, I mean, with Jose Mourinho, you could see it just weren't going to work for him. He just kind of winds people up, players up the wrong way and all of that. And, you know, it's kind of, I think he's done that in clubs over the last few years where he's kind of, whatever he's done, he's taken it too far. Mm. And he's pushed them to have an absolute breakdown or just go, <laughs> you know, just to have an all out rage against Mourinho. But, Kane has been, I mean, you have seen his partnership with Hyung Ming Sun. 
Mm. And, you know, some of their play between them and all of that. I mean, the kind of the kind of balls that you've been playing in, not just his goals, but how essential he's been there and also as a leader for Tottenham, but also just kind of you see the assist that he's made. Mm. Kind of the balls that he's playing across. I mean, this is kind of like the stuff you would see from your playmakers and all of that kind of thing. This is just yeah. It's just some of the players being unbelievable from him. And mm. you know, much like when you think of other players in the league, like other forwards in the league where you've got to have that speed or you've got to be a bit nimble and all of that. I mean, you know, Tottenham's uh, Harry Kane is more, you know, he's kind of, he doesn't have the pace and all that, but he has the intelligence about him to make the runs when he needs to, get into the space when he needs to. You see where opposition defences are going. And obviously his technical ability on the ball, when he can play a ball like that and with the shooting ability he has. Mm. Yeah. He has been an absolute standout again, you know, kind of thing. And he is, yes, so probably, yeah, one of the top strikers, you know, in the league and all of that. And mm. he's just a waste at Tottenham. He's absolutely wasted at Tottenham. And sorry, Tottenham fans, but it's <laughs> like, you know, it's like, I don't know how much longer Kane can take more of it. He's tried to help you so much, mm. but it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much longer he can go on because there's only so much he can help bring this team around. And if it needs wholesale changes, mm. maybe Kane has to be part of that to enable it. So it's... Uh... Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so um, my striker is Timo Werner. He's been unbelievable this season. Uh, no, I'm joking. Come on, guys. Just wanted to troll you for a sec there. No, 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 no. I was going to say, I was like, hey, what, what, what's going on here? <laughs> no, I'm, 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 not on, I'm not on any hard stuff, lads. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I also went Harry Kane um, for the same reasons. Um, top goal scorer, well, joint top goal scorer. Top um, has the most assists. I was just looking at the table. So, yeah. so Harry Kane's had to score 22 goals and yeah. assisted 13. So he's contributed 35 goals and they've scored 63 so bit of rough maths, but there's just that's just under or roughly give or take about half of Tottenham's goals. Um, as you said, he is absolutely wasted there. Like the the like the thing thinking about like the, the season Tottenham have had, which has been pretty disappointing to be honest. After it started so well, um, him and Son have just absolutely carried Spurs. And if you took them two out of that team, they would probably be battling relegation or like they'll be. Scrap now with Crystal Palace for 15th, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just been unreal. Um, and I'll even put him as a contender for, for player of the year as well, just to throw that out there. Um, yeah, wow. he's just been unbelievable. So, yeah, without question, the best out-and-out centre-forward in the league. Um, and I agree with you. If he wants to really make the most of his career in terms of having like success and winning trophies, he, he needs to get out of there. He, he, just, he needs to just, 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 just go. He does, yeah. I think that's the thing because, you know, the money, I mean, obviously with the pandemic as well, I mean, I don't know how teams will be able to afford him. I mean, we know mm. how Daniel Levy is with his negotiating skills. He'll want to get, you know, the fuller, full value for Harry Kane if he decides he wants to leave. And yeah. that's even want to let him leave. I think that's the main thing. But, you know, if he does and they allow him and like, let's say Real Madrid, you know, they're going to have to pay a lot of money. And I think... Mm. You know, I think that money would be essential 
for a whole team rebuild because that's what Tottenham need. I think yeah. it's a mentality. There is a mentality about Tottenham. I think, you know, they want to aspire to do so much, but then it's kind of the mental side and the mentality that they have sometimes, whether, you know, they think whether they can do that or not and achieve like the top teams, you know, in the Premier League and just in Europe in general. Mm. And whether that just needs a whole shift, a whole different focus to bring in more players who, you know, have that more confidence, belief kind of thing and obviously technical ability as well. But yeah, I think a mental side and all of that, they need those kind of players that know, have that experience or, you know, have that right mental attitude. So mm. it's a... Uh... Yeah, I think, I think when they got to the, the Champions League final, when they played us, I, I feel like that was that was as far as they could go with that, with those players, I think. Yeah. And I think we're kind of seeing that now. So, yeah, I mean, it depends because obviously I know Kane wants to, he wants to beat Shearer's goal record, doesn't he? And it's all good if he oh, does yeah. that, but what's the point if you have like zero, you have, if you know, if you have less trophies than Danny Simpson? Um, well, yeah, and it's just <laughs> like, you know, I think that's the thing, you know, you think of like, Let's say, for example, Liverpool's third choice goalkeeper. You know, he's mm. actually stepped in, just mentioned he stepped in a few times for Allison, and mm. he's, he's actually done decently when he stepped in, but yeah. he's got like a Champions League medal and he didn't even play, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of like, you know, it's these kind of things. And it's, yeah, as you said, it's all good getting breaking Shearer's record, which would be a brilliant achievement in itself. Don't get me wrong, but every player wants to be getting trophies and you know, if you get that and, you know, at least Shearer had the Premier League title. Mm. He's, you know, it, so, yeah, I think Harry Kane will be having, after the Euros, he'll be having a tough decision to make unless he's already made it before then, before he jets off. Yeah. You know, whether he has that in mind before he goes to the Euros, I don't know. So. Where, where um, if you could pick, if you were Harry Kane. Yeah. Right. And and you decide you want to go to Tottenham. What where, what what do you think would be his ideal destination? What was that again? Sorry. So if um. So if if Harry Kane was to leave, where do you yeah. think he should go? Well, where do you think he'd be suited best? Where would be suited? So obviously, you're looking at. If I was to think straight away, I would think Real Madrid only because when you look at how they've set out, when you look how with Benzema as well, you know. Mm. I feel like, I don't know about you, but I've always felt that Benzema has been a quite an underrated striker. You know, no, he's I, already I agree. statistically well, but mm. you've always thought it's like, oh, you could get in a better striker to replace him. You know, when they had mm. Ronaldo and all of that, you could think, oh, you could have a better striker in between their wingers and all of that, and it'll be a great lineup kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I would, that would realistically, I could see him going there or where he would be most suited, but obviously now, there's talk of Zidane Zidane now leaving Real Madrid at the end of the season. I don't know whether you've heard about that. And yeah. All that. So, depending on that kind of manager, I mean, I've been hearing like, um, uh, I want to say like Allegri, Massimiliano Allegri. Or yeah, like there, was, that. there was a rumour going around that apparently they're, yeah. they're looking at maybe bringing him in, but I don't know how true that is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. you know, if it was one of those kind of managers... I could see him going to Real Madrid. Mm. If it was someone who wanted to play with more out and out, you know, someone who could play across the front line in different positions, mm. 
might be someone else, then it could be another team. Yeah. But I don't know who would go with, but maybe Man U. But they would have to fork out a lot of money, and I don't know whether they had that money to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Real Madrid would be a good shout. I can imagine like he'd be he'd play really well with people like Modric and like Tony Cruz. Um, you know, but pacey wingers alongside him. So yeah. it'll be interesting. It's a big summer for him. It's a big summer for him because he, he sorry, Tottenham fans, but I'm with Sean on this one. The man <laughs> deserves better. He's 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 being suffocated there. Um <laughs> But it'll be interesting. Okay. Hopefully he does it for us at the Euros as well. Hopefully he helps bring it home. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, uh, we know he's got that ability and, you know, mm. keep him away, you know, keep him fit for these last few games. You know, it's kind of, you know, I think Tottenham may have got European football. I'm not sure whether they've secured it or not, like Europa League football. But, you know, try and keep him fit, keep his ankle. You'll <laughs> wrap it up in a double wrap if you want and all of that. But, you know, yeah, try and keep him fit for the Euros because he is an essential part of the team. So, yeah. So Harry Kane uh, is the unanimous striker. So I'll kick <laughs> us off with the wingers. So we've kind of we've kind of mentioned him by name. So I'm just going to put everyone out their misery. Uh, <laughs> my left winger is Song Hun Min. Yeah. Um, again, him and him and... Uh, Harry Kane have just been like Batman and Robin in there, just just carrying yeah. Tottenham um, to having even a sniff of European football. Um, at the start of the season, in particular, Son was on fire. Like him and Kane, it, it, it's like it was like Suarez and Sturridge, like throwback yeah. to that sort of time. Like the way they were playing together, the goals he was scoring in big games, he's he's delivered. And I think he's pretty much scored against nearly all the, the big six this season in big games. Oh yeah, um, yeah and like with Kane, I think the only reason Spurs ask where they are in terms of having any form of European football is because of these two. So for that reason, um, I couldn't leave Son out of this team. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would absolutely agree with you on that. I thought, I did wonder, I did wonder whether to put in two Tottenham forwards because, mm. you know, as you said, yeah, they haven't had the best of seasons and all of that. And I think, as we've said, you know, during this podcast is that, you know, the team that we saw in the Champions League final and all of that is kind of the peak of where that whole team or the whole squad could go. Mm. So it's, um, but yeah, those two have been absolutely unbelievable. And you think if they, if they had the defence behind them, yeah, if they had a solid defence behind them, because, you know, that's the reason, if you look at Mourinho's tactics and all of that, there is a reason why he plays so defensively. He mm. knew he probably had those weaknesses in his back line that he just couldn't protect so much. So it's, uh, but yeah, if they had, they had the defence there, they would be up changing top four. Yeah. No doubt. It's uh, because those two have been, yeah, those two together have been lethal. And if any side going against them, it's like, yeah, they've been pretty good. And as you said, I mean, it's like, um, Song has also popped up with a few assists as well. He's also mm. contributed. You know, it's pretty much been between Song and King. Kane and Song, you know, just yeah. going back and forth between them. And as you said, I think that crucial thing as well about scoring in the big games as well. And so on. Yes, yeah, they haven't had a good season, but personally, he has had a great season and he will be a one to watch out for next season. Yeah. It's interesting to see, obviously, what's going to happen with Kane and all of that, what might happen, whether they would build a side around him and what his thoughts would be, you know, so... Mm. Yeah, I think I think Son's another one who I think is is better than um, is better than Spurs personally. Like I think yeah. he could easily go to 
just argument's sake, someone like Liverpool or even like maybe Barcelona or something and excel at one of those teams. I would love um, to have him. I would absolutely love to have him at Liverpool. I think, you know, if you had him as a mid uh, forward in that line, yeah, I think I'd take him. <laughs> I think you'd us down to the ground, you know, ex Bundesliga manager and Klopp, ex Bundesliga player at Son, seeing Son the way he plays and the way Klopp plays. Oh, mate, I, I, I think he'd, I would, I would, oh, it'd, it'd make my day if you joined Liverpool. Oh, so, it would. So, Son, yeah. if you're listening to this, <laughs> just get on the phone to Jurgen Klopp and make it happen. All right. Just, just, just make it happen, son. All right. Anyway, uh, I got a bit dark. Um, so, the final position then. Uh, so, our fellow winger, um, yep. Sean, I'll let you take this one. Oh, Who's this your was, other winger. Yes, this was now tricky because obviously we've now gone for two forwards in a team which hasn't really had the success they wanted. Yeah. Personally, they've had the success. The thing is for this, I can't put any Man City forwards into this team of the season. I just can't put any in because I think, as we explained with Gundogan and all of that, I think you look at Foden as well, our arguments there about mm. those. I think they have maybe played a bigger contribution this year compared to other seasons than their forward line has. Yeah. So I couldn't put any Man City forwards in for me. So it's um so it's tricky. So and I'm actually still deciding because I wasn't sure we were going to go on to song straight away. Because <laughs> who was the one was gonna be the one I was gonna Aminar about last? So oh so I'm going to say for this that my final forward, if we're counting as a winger, yep, we can, yep. we're counting as a winger. So my final winger would be Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, yes, Liverpool haven't had a great season. You know, they could finish it off, get in the top four, which would be absolutely brilliant for us. Mm. You know, obviously we can't say it for the rest of the people watching. But, <laughs> It's, uh, but you know, when you look at the Liverpool side and just everything that's happened to them this year, mm. you know, with kind of you know players dropping out like flies, and all of that. I mean, you know, it's kind of players picking up injuries here, there, everywhere, kind of thing. And he has he has quietly gone about his business. I think he has. Yes, sometimes he has missed a few chances. You know, a few chances where, you know, it could have been crucial and all of that. He has missed a few of those and he hasn't had the best of form some time. But when you look at it to his contribution to Liverpool's side and that they could still finish in the top four, mm. they could still get a Champions League place and all of that. And how he's quietly gone about it, you know, because he's played, I think he's played the majority of the season or something like that. He is yeah. one of those where, yeah, he has played the majority of the season. He's played his international games, you know, so he's played for Egypt and all of that. And I'm thinking, how is this guy, how is he still going? <laughs> you know, it's a kind of thing. So it's, uh, how has he managed to get up to the same amount of goals as Kane has? Mm. But without really anyone noticing it. So it's, uh, so for me, you know, and when you look at, I think, what is it? He has scored 20-plus goals in, what is it, all the seasons he's been at Liverpool now, I think? Yeah. Or something like that. So it's in the Premier League, which is an impressive achievement, you know, weird kind of thing. So for me, 
Sorry, everyone out there. Try not to be biased, but for me, Mohamed Salah will be going in as my option. Um, we'd well, be glad to hear that I also went for Mo Salah. Um, he walked into my team. I mean, the stats speak themselves, really. 22 goals in what has been a pretty underwhelming season for us. Um, again, a lot of the big games, the Arsenals, the Spot Tottenham's, the Manchester Cities, even though those games didn't go our way, the Man United's. Uh, the Leicester Cities even. Um, he's just constantly delivered. He's been a massive reason why we're still in with a really good shout of getting top four. Um, yeah. Just so consistent, as you said, kind of quite just going about his business. Um, I, I couldn't really leave him out, to be honest. Just <laughs> incredible, incredible. Oh, Obviously, yeah. the last few seasons have gone really well for us. Yep. This year has been a bit of a disaster. Um, and he's been the one player who's kind of shown in those bad moments. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, uh, as you said, yeah, where everyone's either broken down or just falling down or just completely out of form kind of thing. Mm. And it's kind of, yeah, if he's just quietly gone about it and he's kind of kept Liverpool within a shelter still having Champions League football mm. next season. So, yeah, it was a really, it was a tough decision. I think, I don't know about you, but that was, it was a tricky front three to decide yeah. because we have gone for we've gone for players from teams obviously which you know haven't had the best of seasons and all of that mm. and we have got Man City strikers in and we haven't even considered I don't know about you but I was I'm in an hour and about like Jamie Vardy and all of that yeah at some point because he's had a good season he dropped off and I think that was maybe the reason why because he dropped off and kind of Inaccio kind of stepped up Mm. to the place after that I think it was so that, there were some tough decisions in there I don't know about you what other players you considered um, for me the front three was one I found one of the easiest because I feel like these three have been the stand have been so stand out um, and you take away these three players goal contributions from their teams and these and Spurs and Liverpool will be battling out for about 13th place um, <laughs> yeah, but I think there, has, there was definitely some ones I considered um bit of an outsider one for you I, 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 a bit of a it's more, it's more of an honourable mention yep. but I think Patrick Bamford deserves some credit because oh, yeah. he's obviously been in the Premier League before and been absolutely shocking yeah. so when he came back with Leeds everyone I think thought okay here we go he's going to flop again and he's got like um, just looking at it here he's got 15 goals which is the fifth which is sorry the sixth um, highest goal, goal scoring tally yeah yeah which is just like you look at it because yeah, as you said, when he was at, who did he come up with when he was, what did he would like Middlesbrough or something? Or am I thinking of? It was either uh, Middlesbrough or, it was one of Middlesbrough, Palace, and, or I want to say Norwich. Yeah, it was like one of those kind of sides. And yeah, he didn't, you know, he's trying to consistently make his way into the Premier League and try and establish himself. And I think under Bielsa, mm. you know, he has been, yeah, he has been brilliant for him, to be fair. You know, he has, has been a standout player and one that's really been a highlight to Leeds season as well, their debut season back in the Premier League for so long. Yeah. But also, also as well, other players, I think, to mention as well. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, another, yep. another English talent and all that, which, you know, Ancelotti has taken him, you know, has really improved his game and kind mm. of thing. I think he's on about, was it 15, 16 goals for the season so far? 16, yeah. 16 yeah so he's taken his game up to another level and 
you know, he's offered that kind of aerial prowess and all of that, but also his technical ability as well. Mm. You know, he's been a good player for Everton. So, yeah, there have been there have been some good strikers. I mean, Anaccio as well. I mean, yeah. obviously, Anaccio, he stood out. He has helped Leicester in that second half of the season kind of get them into the Champions League spaces. I mean, mm. obviously, we have to see over the next week how that's going to pan out. But, you know, he has been a main part for that as well. So it's... Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a late bloomer, hasn't he? But yeah, he's been absolutely um, solid. There was one player, uh, one other player that I kind of thought about. Um, the one that plays for Aston Villa, um, Ollie Watkins. I think he's been pretty solid. I'm just looking here. He's got 13 goals. Obviously got a hat-trick against us. He got a couple against, against Arsenal, didn't he? He did, yeah. It's, uh, um, but yeah, I think he is. Yeah, he has had a great season as well. I mean, yeah, obviously, we won't talk about too much about that hat against Liverpool. <laughs> just, you know, he did well, and we'll leave it at that kind of thing. But it's, um, yeah, he has had a great season for Aston Villa. Mm. And, you know, him, Grealish and all of that, you know, have been a main focal point for Aston Villa and so on. And to think of his development as well, you know, because he used to play non-league football because he mm. actually, I didn't realise this until he... Um, when he scored his debut goal for England, um, I, for anyone that doesn't know, I live, my family are from Somerset, so we're from yeah. the southwest and all of that. And we actually found out on our local news and all of that that he actually played for Western Supermare. It's, right. uh, and he played in the non league for him there when he was about 18 or 19 years old. Yeah. And, you know, and he kind of went from there and went up through the leagues and so on. There, which I was like, so I didn't realize that. So, you know, another, another kind of success story along the lines, you know, like Jamie Vardy. It's like, you know, mm. even though you could start in the non-league and all of that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you can't go and show yourself and prove yourself in the, one of the best leagues in the world, if not the best league in the world. So it's, uh, yeah, well said. Um, like I said, a bit of a, a hometown hero from Somerset, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. smashing it. <laughs> yes absolutely yeah so yeah there have been a lot of strikers which have done that have been impressive this year mm. and it's just, I think I think that just shows you know with Man City I think we haven't put any Man City forwards in and just shown kind of the diversity of strikers that have that have played this season you know how well they've done so yeah so um, let's just summarise the team for me on individual awards yeah. Yep, so the official team of the season, well, unofficial, but there you go. So Edison in goal, Cancelo, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Luke Shaw, KDB, Gundogan, Bruno Fernandes, Mo Salah, Harry Kane, Song Hun Min, which is a decent eleven. A de- and I think that's I think that's a fair a fair reflection. I think that is, yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. You look at that side and you think, yeah, personally and all of that, they've done well, but also what they've contributed. You know, it is a mix of kind of personal success. I think, especially when we look at the kind of front line, I think, and all that compared to team season, and then you compare it to the rest of the side, the rest of the players we put in there who have been vital to their team's success. Definitely, definitely. Put it this way: if I had this team on FIFA, um, ultimate <laughs> team, and I lost the game five 0 with it, I'd, I'd, I'd just start playing Pro Evo. 
Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, oh yeah, we're not playing this anymore. It's, you would win every time with that team. So, well, congratulations to those players who made the team of the season. We're now going to move on to a few individual awards. Yeah. So I think what we'll do is we'll end with the big award last. That works yep, for you. So also, yeah, 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 absolutely. So we'll start with the first minor award, which is the most remarkable moment of the season. It could be anything comedic or anything crazy. I feel like we're on the same boat with this. Yes, I think, yes, remarkable moment. I mean, I mean, my thoughts, I mean, yeah, we're thinking remarkable moments and all of that. I didn't really have anything in mind because I think it was one when you messaged me today. And I think he brought up, I thought, oh, I don't know where we talked about that. So I yeah. thought, okay, we've kind of combined it into the, into something. We kind of merged things together with this. But yes, up until yesterday, <laughs> I didn't have anything. Yesterday evening, I had Alison scoring an absolute bullet <laughs> at the back post against West Brom. It's, uh, yeah. I, mean, I think, and, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So it's, it's a moment. That needs analysing, right? Yeah. If, if it ends 1-1, we're yeah. probably not going to get Champions League. We're screwed, right? Season up, yeah. season's dead, more or less, unless barring a miracle. The yeah. goalkeeper pops up, right? Gets on the end of it. I mean, if, if he just scored a scrappy goal, we would have been happy, but it would have been like, okay. But he gets off the, off the, off the, you know, on off his feet like a salmon, bullet header into the far corner. You can't write yeah. it. I know. It's just the technical, I think just the technical bit, bit I mean, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't really anyone marking it. I mean, no one would expect the goalkeeper to score. But I think to get it across from that angle, because he could easily go and header it in the direction he's going. Mm. But he decided to glance it across goal, which yeah. I thought was quite a brave thing to do. You know, normally you'd think you were trying to get the power on it, get in closest, you know, probably get into your the closest corner and all of that. But he's decided to glance that on and get the power onto it. Mm. You know, which and I think you look at the Liverpool players and you look at the staff and how how shocked, how surprised, but just <laughs> just how joyous they were and how happy they were for Allison. Because I mean, you look at obviously he hadn't had, you know, he's made a few mistakes this season and mm. and obviously when he talked about his post-match interview, you know, the death of his dad earlier on in the year. And, you know, he had to fly out to that, fly out to Brazil, you know, to say goodbye to his dad kind of thing, mm. you know, and all of that. And, you know, the mental side of things. So he's had to deal with a lot mentally alongside the fact that he hasn't had a stable kind of back, back line either. No. So I think, you know, just to see everyone celebrating for him and just to, I think a lot of players saying it can happen to a nicer guy. Yeah. Kind of. I think, you know, it signs up the kind of, the player is the person he is, but you know, he kind of deserved it. You know, it's, uh... yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was like a, it was like a scene out of a movie, isn't it? You know, the <laughs> character gets beaten down, beaten down, and then he turns up with the most unbelievable header that could prove absolutely crucial. It um, could come it next could... Sunday. Yeah, as you said, yeah, it could be absolutely crucial, mm. and it will be, yeah. Uh, just crazy to think what implications it could have and all of that but absolutely yeah remarkable it was just an unexpected goal yeah it's unexpected and it's uh i think it only makes him 
I think they showed like on match of day last night, they showed like some of the other goalkeeper that scored. And I think as like said, Robinson and all of that. Um, mm. I think uh, Begovic, yeah. he scored a few keepers that have scored, you know, so it's... Uh, Got a stat for you, right? Or a fact. I don't know if you saw this. But with that header, he became the first goalkeeper to score for us in a competitive game in our entire history. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, no way. The history as well. (laughs) Wow. I did not realise that. I thought, you know, yeah. Wow, that is impressive. It's, uh, uh, yeah, as I said, just, uh, I mean, I don't know, obviously can't speak for other fans of other clubs. I mean, obviously Chelsea Leicester fans will be absolutely... Yeah. You know, we'll be worried about that. But as if you're looking at it from a neutral perspective, I think, yeah, everything that's happened and just what it means to Liverpool and to him as a person player, I mm. think, yeah, that would be one of my moments. Yeah, remarkable moments. So Alison wins the most remarkable moment. Deservedly yeah. so. Well done, mate. Um, <laughs> our next award could probably have about 35,000 nominations. And I'm interested to see what you have to say about this one. It is the worst VAR decision of the season. <laughs> Mate, yeah. kick it off. Go for it. What do you think it is? I mean, I would like to think we're on the same wavelength as this. And I don't want to say because it's Liverpool we're on about here. But I would say the Liverpool-Everton game where Mane was ruled offside when he was clearly onside. <laughs> I guess you didn't think of that. I guess you didn't think of that moment. But for me... That was just like he was onside. Mm. Was onside, you know. It was like you can't count. Surely his arm, you, you know, it's like his arm and all, an arm doesn't count as you can't score with your arm. No, you can't score with your arm. It's just like how can you count that as offside when you can't even use that part of your body to score a goal? And it's just, yeah. for me, it was absolutely infuriating. You know, it cost us the game. I think and all of that but it kind of it brought up a lot of questions and as with other moments throughout the season about you know the definition of what counts as offside the Mm. thickness of the VAR lines because that is I think that also has played a part this year you know kind of what counts offside and how thick should the lines be you know because that could make all the difference as well yeah um so so I didn't go for that decision, but re-seeing mine and hearing that, actually, I don't know how I forgot, but I would go with yours. But I'll tell you what I did put. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember against Brighton uh, at the Amex when they got a penalty in the last minute? Because so Robertson, I think it was Welbeck, went for the ball, right? The yeah. ball was right there. They went to both kick it. He caught Welbeck's foot and got a penalty for that. And then and they scored and got a draw because of that. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think I remember that. It was, uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Was that more first half or second half season? That was like oh. first half season. So, like, I think we're talking, like, going back to like November. Oh, damn. Roughly. Oh, right. <laughs> we're going back. So, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. Some of those decisions and all of that. Because I think the issue has been with VAR is straight because it's like it's still down. I think VAR, the issues with VAR are still down to um, kind of the people that are in charge of it. Mm. So, uh, so, you know, when you look at how VAR is being used in European competitions or 
I don't know where it's been used at Euro qualifiers. I want to say it probably has. Most or likely, like, yeah. I don't know. Um, like at that, at the World Cup, you know, those decisions, you look at them and the decisions they make are being like, yep, that's fine. No problems with that kind of thing. Yeah. So obviously there must be an issue between, you know, the referee and what the VAR assist, the assistant referees and all of that, the people on the VAR kind of count what counts as a foul and all of that and whether they check or not. Because I know there's probably a few incidents and all of that where they should have checked them and they didn't like fouls, penalties and all of that. They didn't check them for some reason. And you think, why have they not considered this to be a foul? Mm. It will have the opportunity to look back at it. So, Yeah, I think it's one of those where, I, I don't know if this is, you agree with this, but it feels to me like English officials don't really have a full understanding of how to use VAR, like what is offside, what is handball, because it seems to be changing every single week. Oh, it does, yeah. No, I do agree with you on that, because I think... I think the thing is, though, because obviously I think in the other European leagues, they kind of have a clear, they kind of had a clear rule about penalties. And I think, and I don't know whether I'm right on this or not, but I think there are probably more penalties conceded in the other leagues than there are in the Premier League because they go by the assumption of as soon as it strikes your arm in the penalty area, for example, then it's a, then it's a penalty. So it's, yeah. uh, I think I had that somewhere. I'd need to get a quote checked and all that. But it's, uh, yeah, as you said, it's kind of our referees and the assistants, VAR and all of that. They kind of still, they're still like in conflict between each other and what yeah. counts. And the fact that I think once the referee has made a decision on something, or uh, I'm trying to remember. So once the referee, has made a clear decision on it and VAR can't intervene mm. as well or something like that. So I, I think I may have worded that wrong, but it's, um, but yeah, they still need to sort that out between themselves and kind of the rules of the game and what consists fouls yeah. and, and all of that. So, yes, it feels like we need some cohesion um, because that's, it just, it's just, it's all over the place. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I don't know why. I didn't really think of the Marnie one against Everton, but thinking about it, actually, that I feel that's a pretty clear winner over what I said, um, because yeah, that was absolutely horrendous. Because it's I, for years when I was growing up, such it was any part of your body that you can't score with, which would be your arm or your hand. Yeah. If that's leaning out, that's you know you can't score with that. It's it, it's not offside, right? It's definitely just like your foot or something or your knee or even your head. I can understand that, but yeah, like it, with- it just made no sense at the time, and it makes no sense to me now. Exactly. It's like when you look at the FA Cup final and the goal that was ruled out um, when Chilwell was offside when he delivered the ball, he was offside because his head was offside. You mm. know? So that he, uh, he could score his head with a goal. So it's like to be called offside for having an arm out and something like that. It, yeah, it's just baffling. I just find it absolutely baffling. Mm. <laughs> I think in the context of the game as well, like last minute derby, to, get, to, to, to make that decision is just outrageous to be oh. honest so I, I feel like there might be a bit of slight individual saltiness kicking in from my side here about it but <laughs> it was just yeah horrendous but I'll tell you what was a quite an honourable mention yeah. uh, I don't know if you remember this Bamford against Crystal Palace when he stuck his arm out to, to you know to kind oh. of call for the pass and that got yes. ruled offside oh I didn't think of that yes 
Oh, that would actually that would have been another one. Yeah. Oh, if I thought of that one, yeah, that might have been one as well. But yes, that is a very good shout. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like you're putting your arm out to call for it, and it's like you can't score with your arm. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should give it. But well, I think Mane, I feel like Matt Mane and Bamford should share the award here um, I, because they were they were but these those decisions were well they make me sick in my mouth to be honest. Um, oh, yeah. I think yeah for those mm. those decisions and the reasons why for very mm. similar circumstances yeah I yeah. think I think yeah so we agreed to share that out between them. Yep. So Sadio Mane, Patrick Bamford, you we win the joint worst VAR call. I mean, that's not an award anyone wants to win, but you've won it, so congratulations. But um, we'll move on from VAR because otherwise we'll, we'll be here till, till, you know, till the next millennium. Um, so we'll move on to the next award. <laughs> um, so the next award is the biggest surprise package in terms of team. Um, there is a player award surprise package, but we'll do the surprise package team first. So um, if you want, I'll kick this one off. Yes, yeah, you guys. So... I've decided to go for West Ham here. Um, and the reason I decided to pick them is because obviously last season they were shambolic, finished yep. 16th, like almost got relegated. So when they started this season, they were getting like smashed by Newcastle and losing. It just, it just looked very grim. Um, and I just thought, okay, it's going to be very much the same. And then they got that first win. And then from there, they just gradually kind of picked up, started doing well. And as we go into the new year, here they are challenging for Champions League. And I think the progression... Couple that with you know the 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 reincarnation of Lingardinho, um, it's just sort of come out of the blue and like I said, it, good old Lingardinho. <laughs> um, I've never heard that one before. That's his. Yes, yeah. I'm just trying to imagine him now. Just. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think they've been absolutely incredible. Even if they do fail, which looks like they will do, I think they should be proud of their season um they pulled off a few decent results as well so they beat Spurs they've almost beat Arsenal City I think they gave us a bit of a tough game Anfield um I've said that come back at the Tottenham Stadium as well um mm. so I think they for me they've been the biggest surprise package yeah okay so for my side yeah I would say West Ham are in that they were it was between two teams for me so obviously mm-hmm. West Ham are in that as a surprise package but Seeing as how you've argued for West Ham, I would like to argue the case for Leeds United. Okay. So, uh, so I would like to argue. So, I'm going to argue for Leeds on this side. I mean, obviously, when they came in and all of that, you know, it's uh, you know, it taken them about what's it, 16 years to get back into the Premier League, mm-hmm. and obviously that first game against Liverpool, that four-three game, you know, as the opening game mm. of the season. I mean, damn, you, you didn't expect, you know, you didn't expect that, but it was a sign of things of them for them to come. And as yeah. a neutral fan, yes, I think they finished mid-table, which is still a very, this very impressive achievement for someone who's just come up to the Premier League. Very mm. impressive. But this type of football that under Marcelo Bielsa, and what an incredible coach he is, by the way, just to point out there as great well. Great manager. Uh, really good manager. Great manager. It's, uh, but... The way they played, you just did not know what was going to happen. You knew you were going to have a spectacle. But the surprising thing was you didn't know whether Leeds were going to absolutely demolish the other side because they've 
being they've thrashed some teams, they've done they've got some good scores against some of the other teams. But mm. sometimes you would either get they would either lose heavily, or you'd get an absolute like three or four. You know, it's kind of three, four goals each from each side, and you would have a spectacle on your hands, kind of thing. And yeah. you know, they would go up. They wouldn't change their philosophy their tactics you know they would go up and play against the big teams yeah sometimes you know a lot of the time they haven't been successful with that I know when they went against Man U and they kind of sussed them out straight away and they kind of easily put them aside Mm. but it's kind of the way they've stuck to it and how you know they have you know I, I just cannot wait to see what that lead side will be like with a few new signings and with a crowd at Ellen Road. Yeah. I mean, that would be, do we know how passionate they can be, the Leeds fans and all of that? And that could be, yeah, it's just, that's why I'm picking Leeds on this occasion. I think, I could, yeah, I, I see where you come from, definitely. I think, I mean, when I was looking at sort of predictions start of the season, um, I, I did think they'd stay up. Um, I did think they'd be a bit lower. Yes. Um, and like you said, they've, they've been like the, the entertainers of the season. They've got some fabulous offs. They beat Man City away, didn't they? They drew with us. They pushed us all the way at Anfield. Um, they they demolished Spurs the oh, other yeah. day. Um, they've kind of taken back to life. I thought they would struggle a bit more, but they've they've come back and taken to it like a duck to water. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think I can. I think that's a fair shout. I think I did, I think Leeds. If, if they get mid table, I think that'd be an amazing achievement. Like even if they get a top ten. Like that would be unbelievable, to be honest. And it's like you said, I think there's a very bright future for that team to kind of keep them players together and bring in maybe one or two more players, to kind of bring it a bit more in and kind of gel it together, kind of make maybe make that defence a little bit more solid. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing, because obviously the defence hasn't been the best. We know at the start of the season, I think mm. that's what we were getting the spectacles. You know, it was kind of, if you were a neutral fan, you know you were going to, you were going to be tuning into match of the day that night on a Saturday or Sunday night and being yeah. right. Let's see what the hell has happened with Leeds United tonight. You know, it's a yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's for me why I chose him. But, you know, for West Ham as well, I got to admit, yeah, those, it was between those two and West mm. Ham. Yeah, they have done a great job. And David Moyes, you know, I think with West Ham, it has been almost the team of redemption kind of thing. Mm. You know, it's like David Moyes, you know, he hasn't over the last few years since he's obviously was manager at Man United, his kind of reputation had kind of gone down the pan a bit, shall we say. Yeah. And it, <laughs> so, and obviously his credibility and all of that. And you look at some of the players and, you know, all the turmoil kind of around West Ham, you know, there's still a lot with the owners and all of that. Um, obviously pitch invasions when fans were allowed in uh, pre-pandemic and to have that and to see that side because they have been solid they have been absolutely solid and they have showed strength and determination against the top sides which has been great to see and they've kind of almost held their own in some of them yeah you know if they do get European football yeah it would be you know that would be great for them because they would have deserved it so yeah I think it'd be interesting to see if, where Leeds go next, like oh, both teams really, both teams mentioned because 
like you said, with Moyes, it's been it's been a bit, it's been a sort of a, almost a throwback to how they how it was at Everton. You know, when he was there and they were constantly sort of challenging the top six. You kind of get that vibe with West Ham. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of maintain that next season. If he also can maybe take Leeds next level, maybe get them challenging for Europe. Um, oh yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. It's quite exciting. You just don't know what yeah, it would, and just having that prospect of fans back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be quite entertaining next season. So it's uh, yeah, I think a lot of teams won't look forward to the trips to Ellen Road. I think when, even if it's sort of ten thousand fans, even then, that's yeah, that would oh, be pretty yeah. insane. That will be yeah. It's uh, I think we'd just be glad to have any fans back, and I think the players will feed off of that. So oh, I definitely, think we'll get some interesting games. That's for sure. Definitely, yeah. I think it'll bring a lot of intense, especially teams like Liverpool who feed off fans, and like Leeds, West Ham. I think. It'll bring yeah. a lot more intensity back to the games, which I feel that's been missed since COVID. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it just feels like games, in, in, you know, some games have been a bit slower and um, there's just been a lot less intensity between players, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So hopefully I think that will come back a lot more from, obviously from today, which where fans are now allowed back in, or at least 10,000 of them. Well, yeah, exactly. I think as well, because, you know, because there has been, you know, there have been a lot of teams which have let in a lot, you know, it's like in games, teams have let in a lot of goals. You know, a lot of the top sides have let in maybe four or five goals in a game. Mm. And it's quite rare that you wouldn't really see, you know, with fans in because, you know, you would have your crowd kind of kind of trying to back you and all of that or saying, you know, what are you doing kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, so maybe they've been missing that in a sense as well. So they're kind of, just that little, as you say, that little kick, you mm. know, that kind of, you need to be performing much better than you are, otherwise you're going to get absolutely destroyed kind of thing. So yeah. it's, so yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be so good to see crowds back next season as well. Mm. Most definitely. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> so the question is, sorry, go on. I was just about to say, who are we going with then uh, for this? West Ham or Leeds, will we? So it's a tough one because, I think Leeds have improved as the season's gone on, whereas West Ham have started to bottle it a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think there's cases, there's strong cases for both teams, I feel. So yeah. how do you feel maybe about the two teams sharing the award? Ooh, that is interesting. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to the thing we're just copping out on this and thinking, <laughs> oh, we're just going to share everything. But it's, um, I mean, if you went for West Ham, for example, because obviously they are challenging in European competition, mm. it's a tricky one. But yeah. yes, both added their own. They both added, you know, Leeds have added to the Premier League and, you know, West Ham have gone on to try and get European football. So. Yeah, I think, I think even if West Ham sort of, even if they get like, what's it called? The Europa League Conference or whatever the hell it's called. I think oh, even yeah. that is a is a good achievement. Like it's still European football, still like top seven, um, which is a lot, which when you consider how badly they kind of started those first couple of games where I think a lot of West Ham fans were like, okay, this we could be in trouble here. To then be doing what they're doing now, um, I think is incredible. Um, but then on the plus, on the flip side with Leeds, yeah, they've been very competitive. Um, and I think it's only sort of the last few months they've really started to kind of find a bit of stability and, like they've been conceding a lot less goals. They've been scoring a lot of goals. Um, so it's a tough one. It's a very it's tough it, one. It is. And I, almost, I am almost leaning now towards West Ham, mainly because 
Hey, it's strange. It's strange because I've got a feeling you're leaning towards Leeds now and I'm leaning towards West Ham. Yes. So we're going back on us. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I think after hearing your argument and all of that, yeah, I would be happy to put West Ham in mainly because, as you said, they could have been in a relegation fight, mm. I think. They've been close for the last few seasons and just to see them prop up and take teams on. Whether they can hold that for next season yeah. is another matter. But it's uh Shall we say, should we should we give West Ham a very narrow victory then? Are I would we... say yes. I would yeah. say because of European football, we give West Ham the narrow victory. So but Leeds have been, yeah, very close in that. So West Ham win surprise package team. Well done. You know what's going to happen now? Next season, West Ham are going to get relegated. Leeds are going to go and win the Premier League. And this is oh, all. Yeah, and then yeah. people are going to come back to this and be like, what were you thinking, mate? What were you thinking? I know. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, we, we actually put Leeds. Mm. Yeah, we didn't put Leeds as a surprise package this season. <laughs> but we now got about eight players in our team of the season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be it now. So, it's, you know, uh, Patrick Bamford's going to score about 56 goals, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I'm just gonna say, yeah, Andrew Bamford will score like 56 goals. Uh, yeah, Marcelo Bielsa will just be like, he'll probably be doing cartwheels and backflips, kind of thing. <laughs> I would love to see that. I would just because he sits on his bucket, he has his bucket, and it's, uh, I would just love him to like run onto the pitch and just like slide on, smash the corner flag or something, and celebrate with his players. It's uh... the scenes, mate. The scenes. <laughs> All right. So the next award is yep. the surprise package player of the year. Yes. yes. Um, do you have, how many, so do you have one definitive player for this? I must, I should ask before I. Um, what was it? So, yes, I mean, I was trying to think. Yes. So I had one which did stand out. Okay. I did think of others for this. It's, uh, I would say there's probably two players for me on this. So, shall I just go with the one I think more of, or shall I? Um, go for the one you're leaning towards, because I'm split between two, but I think I'm leaning towards one. So, I'll let you go first. Uh, okay. Who is your? Who are you leaning towards as your as your win as your winner? Okay, so my surprise player of the season would almost, as we've led on from West Ham, would go to the uh, to Jesse Lingard. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, as we say, I mean, as we said pre- uh, previous on in this last hour or so, it's, uh, he has been, yeah, we, I thought he was just going to be playing for like relegation battle clubs. He could end up in the championship. You know, Edison had more assists than him at one point in the season. And he had been, he had been an absolute shell from what he could do, what he did for England in 2018 mm. and all from where we probably saw, you know, his, he scored a few good goals in that and, and so on. And then to see him under different managers at Man U and see his career just drop like anything, you know. Mm. I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think... You know, it's a, we thought of him as a very good, like as a premiership player and more as someone <laughs> in the championship. But it's... Uh, yeah, I mean... But, so... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, I did go for Jay Lings as well. Um, I'll tell you who my kind of number two potential was in a sec. That's but, fine. Yeah, I mean, 
when it was announced he was going to West Ham, I, I thought David Moyes had been drinking too much whiskey or something because <laughs> it was just so out of the blue that like, this is a guy who hadn't played in about a year, yeah. was a national meme, um, yeah. and then he's gone there and just produced the form of his career, almost fired them to Champions League. He's probably going to now go to the Euros and bring it home. Like <laughs> to, to turn it around in that time is just insane. Um, yeah. And just no one, especially me, um, saw it coming. And he's oh, been a massive part of that West Ham team's success. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at it and it's like, you know, when he scored those first two goals, it's like, oh, he scored two goals in his, like, was it his first game or something like that? It's like his first yeah. Or game. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's probably quite fluky. You know, it's on his debut and all of that. You know, we're not going to think much of it. And then he goes and scores another seven goals and all of that during that period. And really, as we said, he's helped maintain West Ham's charge towards European football. And he is, how he's been able to turn around, I think that's the thing, he's been able to turn around in such a short space of time, mm. you know, to even be considered to be getting back into the England team. Yeah. You know, think of all the other forward options and, well, especially midfielders the amount of midfield english midfielders that have cropped up now in the mm. past season to go play at the euros yeah you've got to give credit to him you know it's kind of you know it's kind of didn't think much of him at all you know how he'd been playing before but he has certainly turned it around and hopefully he can turn around on a more permanent basis now and it'll be great if he could stay at west ham it's a yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been an incredible career re renaissance. So um, I deserve a winner of the Surprise Player of the Year award. Um, and even just like even like, thinking back, some of the goals scored, he's actually scored some absolute belters. Like there was one, yeah. I want to say it was against Arsenal. I don't know if you remember it. Or there was one against Wolves as well, where he dribbled like the whole pitch. There was one against yep. Arsenal where he um, smashed the top corner. And then there was the moment against Wolves. I don't know if you saw it, where he channeled his inner Berbatov. And just absolutely <laughs> left the defence for dead. Um, yeah, is it, he's looked he's looked a better player in like three months of West Ham than he ever did at Man United. To be honest, oh absolutely, yeah. It's just like you could see that he was devoid of any confidence in, mm. in his ability under Solskjaer. But yeah, it's just like yeah, he was just devoid of it, and it's kind of as we said, it's like David Moyes has just gone and said. I believe in you. I know you have that ability. I know the majority of the nation don't believe in you. <laughs> he does kind of thing. And yeah, fair play to him. You know, mm. fair play to him to turn it around so quickly kind of thing. And so yeah, he was my kind of, yeah, he had to be my first choice for it. But, but as you said earlier on, who was going to be your second choice? Because... I don't know whether we might be on the same page about the second choice as well. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. So I may be a little bit biased here, but I, I was, le I, so it was so after Lingard, it was big Nat Phillips, um, purely because he's come in having never played in the Premier League. And yep. just like, I know we were talking about it earlier about him not being the most delicate on the ball, not the most sort of best on the ball player, but he's come in and just done it, put in an absolute shift in every game he's played and actually and and like literally he's looked stronger we've looked stronger with him on the pitch than without it yeah, um yeah. and i think he deserves immense credit for that but i just don't i just don't think he had as much of an impact on the team as lingard did for his team 
which is why oh. I decided to go for 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 J, for, J, for Jay Ling's Lingardinho. <laughs> Lingardinho. <laughs> I've a hashtag around on that. It's a Lingardinho <laughs> for it. <laughs> but, yeah, I think for my sake, I was quite surprised about that. I thought because my second choice was going to go to John Stones. It's okay. uh, and mine obviously. Good. So I was going to go for it because, yeah, he could have gone out to Arsenal or something like that. He could have gone to like a maybe other top six club or just below or something like that because his kind of career had kind of gone down a bit. And, you know, we didn't really see him. I mean, I didn't really see him much playing for England and all of that. He was kind of out of the picture mm. thinking of who could play alongside Maguire in the England side or like Gomez, for example, or yeah. something like that. Um so, yeah, and to think to turn it around like that, almost like Lingard as well. I mean, obviously, mm. Stones has had a whole season and all of that, but to be able to form a, defense, form a defensive partnership, which has now won in the Premier League, he looks like he's probably going to get his place back in the England lineup for the Euros, which would be great for him. You know, so he was my one, but I think, yeah, I think Lingard had to go because of the amount of, yeah, how quickly he managed to turn it around and how much it would mean. West Ham so mm. right well done well done Lingardinho um, a deserved award right now things are about to get really spicy yep worst signing slash flop of the Ooh. season yes um, I'll, I'll let you take this one first who who did you choose as your worst yes. your, your biggest flop this was a tricky I mean because I I thought about this for a bit and you know because obviously there wasn't obviously as many sign-ins made in the summer you mm. know in the or even just in January, you know, is kind of there hasn't been that many to pick kind of things. So it's, uh, but there was one which did stand out to me, and I feel sorry for the guy. And and the one I'd pick as my flop of the season would be Ryan Brewster. It's uh, interesting. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the reason I why I've gone for Brewster. So obviously, you know. Us two, you know, have been Liverpool fans and all of that. We've seen him come through, you know, through the academy and all of that and so on. And we've seen what he could do. Mm-hmm. We've seen him, I mean, obviously, when he was at Swansea in the championship and he spent the second, only a second half of a season there. And he got him into the promotion kind of playoffs and all of that. And he scored so many goals. And also as well, he was the Golden Boots winner when the under-17s won the World Cup of England. Mm. as well so it's uh, so he was looking like a good talent and he had shown it in pre-season before he went to Sheffield United and I was surprised that Liverpool got rid of him you know but we knew he probably wouldn't play in front of that front three I no. think that was the thing but it was a shame to see him go I really thought you know it's the way that Sheffield United played last season and uh, Chris Wilder that he would still be able to carry on maybe give them the goals and they would be fine. But obviously the way Sheffield United just collapsed, like missing key players, mm. it seems like it just hadn't worked out for him at all. It seemed like he's been on the bench most of the time, even under their new manager as well. Um, he hasn't had a, he's hardly had a shoe in at all. Mm. And it's just a shame, you know, it's a shame on his talent because, you know, he's now signed for a club. I'll be going back down into the championship and he yeah he has the potential to be that player but he went for a lot of money and that's why I kind of 
regrettably had to pick him as flop of the season, like sign-in of the season. Yeah. Interesting, because Brewster was someone I could say I didn't pick him, just the record. Yeah. I'll tell you who I did pick in a sec. Um, but yeah, that seemed like when, like, because we've seen like in Liverpool YouTube and even a bit in the sort of Capital One Cup or whatever it's called, the Carabao Cup, yeah, the kind yeah. of talent that he does have. Um, so going to Sheffield, it kind of looked like a match made in heaven. Um, sadly, it hasn't gone that way. I don't think he scored any goals. No. And it just hasn't worked for him. And it just, you just wonder now, how is that going to affect his confidence? Um, going forward, especially now, like you said, they're going back down to the championship. I don't really think he's done enough in the Premier League to convince anyone that he's worthy. Um, so I just hope the fact that he's so young does mean he's got a chance to to hopefully turn it around and maybe get back to kind of the the diver- the direction that he was on in terms of being a big talent. Well, exactly, because that's the thing, you know, it's kind of, you could see he's got the talent there and, mm. you know, it's kind of, he was putting a shift in in pre-season. Yeah, I think he was pretty much scoring in every game in pre-season. He was in great form, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was in great form. I thought they might keep him, but obviously with COVID and all of that, I think where we, where Liverpool didn't have the resources to go and get Thiago and Diogo Jota, for example, mm. you know, player sales had to be made, really. So it was kind of, and with you know, ideally it would have been great if he went out on loan, but obviously he went out permanently. And yeah, I just feel sorry for the guy, I think. Same. I think, yeah. It's, uh... I just hope he doesn't do, become a Dominic Solanke. Um, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> <laughs> but um, the person I did pick, right, actually went for no money at all, mm-hmm. which it makes it even worse in my opinion. And it is Willian, right? And... <laughs> And oh, really? oh, Chelsea last season, right? Especially at the back end of the season, yeah. right? He he was he was in great form. You know, we we seen him at Chelsea, and you know, it was clear that he had a talent player. So when it went when Arsenal went for free, it looked like a, it looked like an absolute bargain, and I thought that was going to work out well. And initially, it looked like that was going to happen. So he had the first game, didn't he? Where I think he assisted all the goals, and it looked like okay, this could be a decent signing. And then he's just, and then after that, he's. I mean. It took him until this past weekend to score his first goal. Pretty much every shot's gone outside the Emirates. In fact, it's probably still travelling after the shots. No, I don't think no assists. He he's weakened the team every time he's played. I mean, I you, damn. He um. So I was gonna say, yeah. He it, it's daylight robbery, and no money's been spent. That's <laughs> like if, I don't know who is in charge of this deal at Chelsea. But they just—they should be locked up for fraud because this is the worst free transfer I've ever seen. Um, and and it's not like he was shit for a few years before. It's like, like he finished last season on fire, and he's come to Arsenal, and then he's—it just seems like he's forgotten how to play football. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for me, he was the worst sign, even though there was not a penny spent on him. Um, yeah, seen- absolute flop. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I thought for me, thinking of William, he started. Brightly, yeah. I thought he started brightly, and yes, he is absolutely plummeted from there. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I, I'm pretty shocked. I'm pretty shocked you went for uh, um, William. But yes, I think we haven't had we haven't had many players to choose from. I think you know yeah. in terms of signings, so it's made it a bit more tricky in that sense. So there was like Timo Werner, but at least he scored some goals. Yeah, he's got he's assisted some goals. He's uh, that kind of lets him off the hook a little bit. It does. I think if it wasn't 
if it wasn't for a second half of the season, I'd be saying absolutely it would be Werner. But yeah, I think where he's picked up and all that, and I think he's got about eight eight assists or something like that. He hasn't scored many goals, I know, but he yeah. has. He's finally picking up, and yeah, I think maybe now he can kick on. I don't know whether you know the whole thing with Chelsea strikers and all of that. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, Chelsea haven't have really had successful Premier League strikers since Drogba. No, you know, it's a. Uh, his kind of big summer signings they've made just haven't worked out. And we, we know that from our own experience to kind of like our joy, to be fair. But it's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, yeah, he would have been on it if it weren't for the second half of the season. But that yeah. is an interesting choice about Willian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I so said, there's no real standout major flops. I mean, actually, there is one that comes to mind. Yeah. And it's the one that plays for Tottenham, uh, Doherty. He's been in absolute shambles, I think, at Tottenham. He's just—he's a shadow of the man he was at Wolves. I didn't even think of that. Yes, yeah. yes, because I thought it was going to be an absolute bargain. Mm. I, yeah, I thought it was going to be a bunk. It didn't again for like it wasn't like it was over between eight or twelve million or something like that. It um, wasn't loads. I can't remember the exact fee. I think you're right. I think I want to say about twelve million, something like that. Yeah, and I thought, oh, he's going to be great. So I put him in my fancy football team at the beginning of the year. So I had him straight in there, I thought, because he did really well the previous season and all of that. Mm. But yeah, for some reason, it just hasn't worked out for him as well. So that is a, that is a good show. Mm. I did not think of him. Um, so is there any other names we could think of for that? Or we... um, no one that sort of comes to mind. I feel like they're the standout. I mean... Some people, con- I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's one other man we haven't really spoken about, and I don't think he's been a flop, but I know yeah. other people might say differently. That is Tiago, who I don't think has been a flop because he's been, he had a long time out injured. He wasn't brilliant when he came back, but what now he's adapted the team a little bit. In the last few games, he's probably been one of our best players, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't mm. think, yeah, because I think I would say that as well. I thought it was like at the beginning because. I think it's with a lot of players that come into Liverpool. I think, you know, they've had to adapt to the system. And mm. even though he's a world-class player, you know, he's come in and been, you know, nominated in a team of the year kind of thing across Europe mm. and all of that. But yeah, you know, so he has had time to adapt to the system. And I think I've had my criticism about him. I think I know at the beginning, I was quite frustrated with him where he was giving away needless fouls needless penalties and all of that so it just wasn't me and it was just kind of he wasn't showing you know the kind of the distribution of the ball we know he can have which he started to show now he started to get a little bit better with that now so mm. yes would have been on there if it wasn't again for the second half of the season yeah so he missed it as well <laughs> so I think it's a straight shootout between Willian and Brewster, who is the worst player. Um, I mean, how? I mean, I mean, sorry, Willian, mate. I'm gonna have to argue how shit you are. Um, <laughs> my, so my kind of logic here is that whilst I agree Brewster has been a bit of a disaster, he has time to turn it round, right? Yeah. Whereas and and he played. No disrespect to Sheffield United, but he's playing in a team that, let's be honest, technically aren't brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the best team. Whereas Willian, he's got... I mean, Arsenal aren't a brilliant team, don't get me wrong, but he's still got Aubameyang. 
He's got Lacazette, who are good players. He's got um, well, Ozil, it's barely played before he left. But they, you know, Ceballos is not a bad player. Um, Xhaka, okay, I mean that's 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 questionable. But he, on his day, he can be a half decent player. There's enough talent for him to do relatively well. And this is a guy who's experienced. He's played with top players, and he's gone in there and just looked like Titus Bramble. If Titus <laughs> Bramble was blind, which is saying something. So <laughs> I think, mate. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get robbed when no money's been spent. But <laughs> I, I think Arsenal have been robbed, to be honest. That's why I've put Willian as the worst. You have argued that well. I mean, how much... <laughs> you know how much he earns in wages, Willian? Just out of... Uh, I can find out for you. I would be... in. Yes, I think that would be interesting in my decision because... I will argue my case for Brewster in a minute once I find out how much. I will argue a couple of things. and um, So I'll just average it out for you, if that's all right. He, yeah, earns, that's... A, he earns approximately £195,000 a week. <sighs> he gets paid £195,000 a week to, mm-hmm. wally, to wally the ball out of North London every week. Jeez, and he's still playing. <laughs> he's still been in the side. I think that's the thing. Yeah. He's played. He's played nearly every game. Yeah, especially in the Premier League. Can't believe he has that amount. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Okay. And what's even worse? What's that? They, they fucked off Mesut Ozil for him. They did. Yes. <laughs> and he is. I mean, obviously, when yeah, he was completely out of form when he left and all of that. But he definitely had the technical ability and class there. You know. It's like, you know, that old saying, it's uh, form is temporary, but class is permanent. Yeah. He definitely has class. He just had shown it for a few So, yeah. Yeah, you argue a good case for him. I will, <laughs> I will say in defence, I will say then for Brewster, obviously, obviously, William was a free transfer. Mm. Obviously, Sheffield United had gone out and probably spent a record sum on Brewster. That's true. So they spent a record sum of them, and then they've gone and got themselves relegated from it. And I think there's probably, I don't know whether they paid everything up front or whether there's more add-on fees to be included. But Yeah, I'm not 100%. but yeah, I'm just looking here. You, as, you, as you said, it, it, this, it was a club record fee that they paid for him. Yeah. Uh, 23.40 million, to put it into context. Which is, which is cheap now. Which is, it is cheap. Now in today's markets, it's cheaper for young players. I think, I gotta admit, yeah, I think if you looked at it before and you'd spend that for a 19-year-old maybe three, four years ago, mm. you'd be like, you're thinking, how much? You know, yeah. it's... Uh, so it's a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, yeah. So how do we decide? <laughs> so, would... I mean, we can look at statistics and judge it on that, if that would help the decision. I think that would help. I mean, I know probably Brewster hasn't scored any goals. Yeah. So, so... I've, gone, I've gone to the transfer market, the same website to keep it fair. Okay. We're looking at just Premier League stats. Yep. So I, uh, Willian's played 25 games, sorry, which is still, okay, not quite all, most, nearly every game, but a large amount of games. He's He's got five assists, which I think most of them came in one game and one goal. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, probably and, those two at the beginning of the season, I think. And Bruce has played the same amount of games, no goals, no assists. Um, so, um, but bearing my, and then also obviously Arsenal are, are ninth, I think, and Sheffield United are, are relegated and bottom. So it's a yeah. tough one. It's a tough one. It is. It's, uh... Would you be inclined to say Brewster because um, Sheffield United have obviously, like you said, this club record fee in a, a pandemic where money's already a bit tight and he's, yeah, contributed quite literally nothing? Yeah, I think, I and also as well, go for those two reasons, but also because he has pretty much been snubbed, not by his first manager, but also by the second manager. Mm. I think that's the thing. If you look at, is it Higginbottom? Higginbottom has... Uh, I think so, yeah, the, the caretaker, right? Yeah, yeah. If you look at Higginbottom, when he came in once Chris Wilder left, and it's kind of, I would think he would play Brewster. I mm. thought he would play him in all of that and, you know, give him a chance because of the talent that he has. But he's still gone and played like McGoldrick and all of that. <laughs> it's just like, and <laughs> I think that's for me why it's edging it. And yeah. it's a shame on the young guy. I feel really sorry for putting him in, in there. And I yeah. do, I feel... You know, I feel sorry for him, but it's when well, he's had two managers kind of pretty much reject. It's uh... yeah. I mean, I think it's a good point. I think the fact that they paid a substantial amount of money for him by, with, with all due respect to Sheffield United, like by their standards, that is a lot of money to pay yeah. for no goals and, and no assists. Um, so I um I think yeah I think based out the two, I think Bruce has probably been more of a flop. Uh, in that sense, so I'm I'm willing to give the worst signing to Brewster. Right. I so, I'm going to say I really hope for the young guy that he can you know turn things around. But I think this season it just hasn't worked for him. It no. just hasn't. Uh, I think he joined them at the wrong time because even before the season, like once we had the first lockdown, the when the league got halted and then it came back. Like I remember they just came back and they were so out of form, weren't they? Like they were just losing so many games and it kind of yeah. just. It's just carried on like a snowball effect, hasn't it? And yeah. he's kind of joined in the midst of that. Yeah, they were sorry for the guy. But, <laughs> but just just off topic, you were saying about McGoldrick. Do you know what? I rate McGoldrick, you know? I think I think he's a half-decent striker. <laughs> oh, well, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I think it was just because it was the first Sheffield United striker I could just think of off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, McGoldrick, that's the one. I mean... If you spend 23 million on an exciting 18 year old and a 33 year old guy from Nottingham outscores you, um, to, to, to be honest, yeah, I think that's, the, that's, a, that's a major L. That yeah. is a major L for, 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 for Ryan. Um, so, Ryan Brewster, mate, uh, we send our condolences, but you do win the award of worst signing slash flop of the season. Um, we'll send it to you in the post, mate. You know, it's not one you want to come up and get. So, now it's going to be a bit more positive. Yep. Um, because there's three more awards left. And the first of those is the best signing. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling you've picked what I've said. So would you like me to tell you who I've picked? Yes. Then... Yeah, because I... Yeah, I went on the up one, yeah. You yep. can go ahead and... Uh... So he's a majestic gentleman who we've mentioned uh, probably about an hour ago now. Um, it is a man who I feel has completely changed Man City's season. It is Ruben Diaz. Um, as we were saying earlier, at the start of the season, they were leaking goals left, right, and I remember that game, I think it was against Leicester, where they conceded three penalties um, mm-hmm. and got absolutely demolished. Oh. I, I, 
I, I thought, okay, they're going to be, you know, they're done. That they're 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 they're, they're going to be battling for top four this season. And they brought him in, as as you said, um, he's become a leader at the back. He's formed a, an incredible partnership with Stones, comfortable on the ball, scores goals, solid, committed, gives it everything. Um, he's been an absolute game changer. And without him, um, City wouldn't be where they are. Um, so for me, with that, whilst there's still some definitely honourable mentions, I think Diaz is probably the standout for me. Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously you could say, yeah, Diaz has been the standout before and everything you said, you know, the amount of goals they would leave last season and all of that and why there was probably that massive gap as well last mm. year between Liverpool and Man City was because of their defence and that leadership at the back. So, yeah, Ruben Diaz, yeah, has been a brilliant player. I, I've thought about other players and all of that. I mean, obviously, if you're considering loan signings as well into the equation, then you would, then I would put in, obviously, Jesse Lingard. Yeah. Um, as an honourable mention, I would put in, like, Jota, because he started... Definitely. He started very well for Liverpool, and it was a shame that he had... What was it two, three months out with a knee injury or something yeah. like that? When you played against was, Michelin, didn't it, in that meaningless game? And that's yeah. kind of where our form kind of went down the pan, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because he he started on fire. He was absolutely on fire. And I think if he didn't have that injury, I think mm. he's carried on because he has scored the odd few goals since he's come back and all of that. But if he'd carried on, yeah, he would be my sign and no, not my sign, but yeah, my sign <laughs> of the season. Um, so yeah, I think for that reason, yeah, I think for Diaz, yeah, I can't complain with that. So I think I'm very happy to have him as yeah. the signing of the season. Absolute, absolute game changer. Yeah, Jota was definitely an honorable mention I thought about. I'll tell you who kind of I mean it's a bit of an outsider one, but I think he's been a really good signing. Not good to say best signing, but he's I think he's been good. Yeah. Is um Matty Cash, the right back for Aston Villa. I, I think he's done really Pardon me, yeah. really, really well. Yeah, no, that's a good shot. Yeah, it's not one I've thought of in the equation, actually, because who did he... I'm trying to remember who he signed from, actually. But it's, uh, uh, I did. I was looking him up earlier. It's, uh, it was Nottingham Forest he signed from for about £16 million, so a bit pricey for a championship player, but he's done really well since coming in. Oh, that's fair enough, yeah. I think it's... Uh, yeah, no, it's a good honourable mention. That's, um, I'm trying to think of any other players really... Um, like in the top, yeah, really in the top six, which of um, apart from obviously Diaz and all of that, yeah. and Johnson and so on. Um, Timo um, Werner, obviously, an incredible season. Um, his six goals have been no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Probably, no. I for a split second, I thought <laughs> he'd be in serious about it, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah, as I said, there hadn't been as again. You know the pandemic and all of that. There hasn't been many signings, mm. but yeah, I, mean, I think. We- so as I said, we're talking about we're talking about loan signings, won't we? There is one outside that's just come to mind. Yeah. Um, Joe Willock for Newcastle. I think he's he's yes. been a bit of a goal machine since he's gone there, hasn't he? Yes. In the last few yeah, in the last few games he's played, he's been yeah, he's been brilliant for him to be fair, and mm. it's uh, you know he's really yeah, it's kind of him, but also having him and San Maximan. Mm. Um, all of that having those having them together and all of that and you know is just just helped ease it a bit especially when there was still uncertainty about you know whether they're really going to be in a relegation scrap 
I think really with Fulham, I think that was the thing. I think we're realistically seeing it as Fulham that would probably be the team that could stay up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he's been great for them, and you know it'll be it'll be great if they can keep him on. If Newcastle can keep him on for next season, whether that's on another loan or whether that is as permanent transfer, now it'll be good for him. It'll be mm. good for him, absolutely. So. Yeah, he's really kind of come into his zone, hasn't he, there? So, yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting to see if he stays there um, because I didn't really blame that highly at Arsenal, but he's gone there and kind of proven me wrong. Um, so let's see what happens with that, I guess. Yeah. So final two awards that are the big ones. Um, so the first one is the Young Player of the Year. And don't forget, the it's it's players for under 23 and under. So Sorry, so under 23. 23 or under, that's what I meant to say. I, I was going to say, I was thinking if it's... <laughs> Under 23, I was thinking, yeah. right, that's one of my options straight out yeah. of there already. So it's, uh, but yeah. So uh, despite the promising career he has, uh, Jesse Lingard is, is too old for this award, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so I kicked off with Diaz, so I'll let you go first. So who was your Young Player of the Year? Okay, so my Young Player of the Year, and he sits on the bracket of 23, and for me, it would go to Marcus Rashford. Now, it's, uh, now, I would say that because for a number of reasons, he is, yes, he hadn't scored as many goals as last season and all of that, like, mm-hmm. yeah, compared to the previous season. Um, but in a way, he's still contributed in both, you know, um, goals and assists and all of that. And he has been a main part of their, alongside Bruno Fernandes, had been a main part of their attacking threat. And what has made them, you know, really make that push into the top four and kind of really cement their place really in, in second place, to mm. be fair. So he is he is such a good talent. He is, he's still got a lot of work to do, yes. I think, you know, with any young players and all of that, there's been chances where he he's missed like the odd goal where he should have scored it. But the other times when he scored it and he's been absolutely brilliant you know, and his pace and all of that to cause him defences, nightmares. And, you know, he has scored against the big teams as well. He scored mm. against some of the big teams this season. It's, uh, But also as well, when you think about how he's done that in the Man United side, also just alongside his work off the pitch as well. I yeah. think, you know, he's a great ambassador you know, for young people and football, you know, this is me saying as a Liverpool fan kind of here, but the work that he's been trying to do, you know, he's been, you know, a lot of the time he was focusing on trying to give kids, you know, school meals outside the school holidays and all of that and Mm. still playing and still showing the professionalism and still showing, you know, you're still showing the form and all of that that he could have. So for me, for both sides, for both his performances on the pitch and off the pitch, how, as he is a young professional, for me, he would get the young player of the year for me. Interesting. Um, I'll be honest, Rashford didn't really come to mind. Um, I mean, he's had a good season, uh, but I didn't really think about him. Um, I'll split between two men uh, for this one, two young men, but uh, one kind of completely overweight the other one. Uh, he's already been a source of uh, debate in this uh, in this podcast. And he yep. looks like he's about to do it again. <laughs> He's <laughs> tingling everywhere. Um, I have picked Mr. Philip Foden for a second time as my young player of the year. Um, kind of, as I mentioned re- earlier, really, uh, he's played, I think he's played as a winger. He's played up front in midfield this season, seven goals, five assists. 
He's been like he's played like someone who's well beyond his years. One, he's won the Premier League, model professional on the pitch and off it. Well, except when you go into Iceland, but let's not talk about. We won't talk about that. I'll show the man some respect, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just think he's been unreal, and he's and City. I think as a team, despite all the superstars, you know him individually, he stands out. Um, despite all them stars, and they and for me, I don't know if anyone would agree with this, but they look a bit more. They look more lively and sort of dangerous, and energetic with him on the pitch than when he's not on it. Like he's that one player that when he gets it. I panic if I, if he's facing my team, um, and I think yeah, for me, the the absolute standout young player of the year for me. Wow, wow! Yeah, I thought he would crop up again because he was my <laughs> second choice. Yeah. was my second choice for this, and it was uh, oh right. So we've got to argue between <laughs> <laughs> we've got to argue between these two, and yes, yeah, Foden has had. Yeah, he has had a standout season, as you said. I think you just mentioned there where he stood out against players which have you know, had much more experience, you know, age on the side and all of that, and managing to perform in the big games, I think, is quite mm. important. Yeah, and how that's contributed to Man City winning the title. Yeah, so I absolutely agree with that. You know, it's, uh, it's I suppose how much impact has each player had on their teams and without them what what would their team look like I suppose or how would their team perform without them for me and I feel for me Manu not having Rashford in the side especially when you look at emerging players like Greenwood Mm. because he's coming through and he was one I thought about as well for this and you know, look at Greenwood, Martial, you know, in that front line. Mm. And then have Cavani as well. Um, I think if you take Rashford out to that side as well, it's uh, you could see the kind of goals maybe dropping, you know, kind of thing. I don't think they would be as prolific or get them in the same position as they are now. I think they could be, could have been in a kind of scrap and all of that in the top four, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I think Rashford, I think he has to go see them. I'm just looking at his statistics in front of me. Uh, yeah. In terms of Premier League, yeah, 11 goals, 11 assists in, in 36 games, which is which is pretty good. Uh, he's played, so he started 33 games, um, three sub-appearances. Um, I just think Foden from the start of the season, for me, has just been constant. Um, like, he's been a driving force uh, for City, especially considering, like you know, who we were saying um, about the about the injuries they've had, obviously up front with you know having to kind of adapt. And I think for him to do it at his age and do it so comfortably and be able to create goals, score goals, show the the kind of maturity and elegance on the pitch, I just think, I I just think he's just brought something so different to City in that respect. Um, and as I said, Premier League winner, I just think for me. I, I just, if you took him out that City team, they might still be doing well, but I'm not sure they would have won some games that they did win without his presence on there, such as against Liverpool at Anfield, where he pretty much ripped us to shreds. Um, even against like Chelsea, I think News Day when they went to Stamford and absolutely battered them, um, they, and he scored some important goals as well. I um, mean, they, they would have lost to sort of West Ham, where he got an equaliser there. 
I just think he's not done a carry job there, but he's he's just added something really different that they essentially didn't know they needed. Um, and that's why, for me, he would be my the young player of the year over Rashford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, oh. Yes, how? Yes, that is. You made some very good points with that. Very good points. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw out there as well um, yeah. uh, that uh, Rashford has played 11 more games, I think it was. No, nine more. No, sorry, 10 more games than Foden. And he's only scored four more goals and assisted six more, which is not that much. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that out there as food for thought <laughs> before you come to a final decision. How many more games is that? How many more games is that more? Rash has played about ten more games. Yep. And he's and he's and he's outscored Foden by four, just in the Premier League. Just just to throw that out there. And then how many by assists was it? Was it uh, like four goal four he's assisted four more Rashford? Uh really? So it's only assisted four more than Sorry, four less than Rashford, and yeah. Rash, and then Rashford has scored. Um, uh, I apologise. Sorry, sorry. He's assisted. <laughs> four, sorry, Rash, uh, Rashford scored four more goals yep. than Foden, yep. and he's assisted six more goals than Foden. I apologise. I, I misread the uh, information. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that is that is a good stat. Because I think, yeah, if he had played in other games, he could probably do it because he has shown it against the top sides. And, and I think as well, especially across our conversations, across the other awards as well, mm. and especially how I managed to persuade you on Brewster over William, who you strongly, really strongly, <laughs> really strongly argued against, who I'm quite surprised about. I think, yes, you have made a very good case for for Foden, and I think I would set that that he is probably the young player of the year. So Foden, Foden gets it. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that last stab probably swayed me on that. Yeah. I think I was going to stand firm on Rashford, mm. but yes, that is a very impressive kind of interesting stat to hear. Awesome. So, Phil Foden, congratulations. You are the unofficial young player of the year. Um, I'll tell you who my second option was. Uh, it was actually, I was, I was considering Mason Mount, but then, like we mentioned earlier, I felt he only really grew as a player to, um, like overall this season when Tuchel come in. And by that point, yeah. we were about halfway through. So, I couldn't really justify him over Foden, who's been kind of really consistent. To yeah. be honest. No. So, yeah, he no, quickly fell out the cake. Uh, out the, um, quickly fell out of the running. Yes, he did. Yes, I was going to say he's he has definitely got you know he's improved his game and all of that. And I mean, it's easy to see how much Gareth Southgate likes him in the England team mm. in this start lineup kind of thing recently uh, with Mount. But yes, if you terms of looking at his Premier League season and how it started, you know it's it's kind of yeah. If you're based in on the other players, the other players have been more consistent in that sense. Yeah. So Phil Foden wins the player of the year. Uh, some interesting honorable mentions though. So it yes, comes yeah. down to the final award of the evening. Um, it is the big one. It is the player of the year. This is of course open to everyone. There's no age limit. Um, any position, of course. Um, so if you like, I will, do you want me to go first on this one or would you like to go first? 
Uh, no, but I was going to say, you go ahead. Yeah, the host on this one. So Okay, so there was a few options here, and I'll tell you through my logic. So I considered Harry Kane because of his statistics. Yep. Um, in terms of, like I said, joint top scorer, top assists, in, in, a, in with all due respect, a shit team. Um, Bruno was an option. Um, but I, 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 we've mentioned him a lot in this podcast um, and he's going to be mentioned again. It, my player of the year will be Ruben Diaz. Um, I'm not going to kind of go on again. I don't want to sound like a broken record, <laughs> but I mean, again, the impact he's, he's, he's made since he's come in, he's just completely, he's been a complete game changer. Um, absolutely immense in that Man City defence and is a huge reason to why they're now champions. Um, so for me, yeah, a, a clear player of the year for me. Um, I, I can't think of many players that have had as big of an impact to their teams as, as him. So he's he's the man for me. Interesting, interesting. Yes, i got to say, because I think, yeah, I think when you've mentioned the players there and all of that, you mentioned Harry Kane. Yeah, i got to say, statistically, he has had a, another brilliant season. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, it's uh, if he was in another club which could defend, then it's, they would be challenging for... <laughs> but, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, we can't put him on there because of his impact, you know, for the season, really. It's kind of, you know, they're not going to be having Champions League football. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, they just haven't been on the ball and all of that and they haven't been able to do enough for it, which is a shame. Mm. You know, I think if they were challenging a bit more, I think if they go into the top four, I think we probably I would be looking at Kane yeah. for a player of the season. Yeah, brilliant talent. Um, yeah, as you said, Bruno Fernandes and so on. It's uh, He has had a brilliant season with them, with Man United and, you know, the influence he's had on the side and so on. But... I think I think I am also going to have to agree with you on Ruben Diaz only because because as you said you know last season and all of that as I said don't want to be a broken record again but you know <laughs> the impact we've seen the change in their defensive lineup and all of that and how they and how they've been performed and yeah especially where especially where the games have been a lot tighter. You know, teams have been wanting to play a deep line. They wanted to play a deep line at the back and hold, kind of suppress them, kind of absorb any kind of, um, you know, absorb anything and then kind of go on the counter-attack. So there's been a lot of games for Man City this year where it's been close. You mm. know, it hasn't been clear-cut, you know, like previous seasons when they've wanted like, five, six nil, you know, kind of thing. Absolutely slaughtering teams. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen that this this year. So I think the way, yeah, his impact, I mean, you look at that and yeah, I think he's had an impact not just on, yeah, on how on them win the title, but the players around him. You look at John Stones and he has probably been, they may have helped each other, really. I think, mm. you know, they have both played an impact on both of their play and how they perform this season. So, yeah, for me, undoubtedly as well, I think, yeah, be given a centre-back player of the year, I'd be happy to give it to Ruben Diaz. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those where if you take Diaz out of that team, 
and put any of the other defenders City have, they would probably be leaking a few more goals and that type table would be looking a little bit different. Yes. Um, so, it's, it's yeah. Really, yeah, especially where they haven't had Aguero, you know, they haven't had the goals of Aguero that they would normally have, you know, mm. the scoring has been mixed. So they've had to rely on the close. They've had to rely on the narrow wins and so on. Mm. And even the record against the top six hasn't been too great on paper. I mean, we I mean we managed to get a draw their ground. They got beaten by United, Chelsea, they lost to Tottenham, haven't they? Um, yeah. So it's as you said, it's been a lot of the other games um, where they've like against sort of West Ham, um, Everton, teams like that, where they've had to kind of grind results out by like strong defensive performances. Which, to be honest, maybe last year it was it would have gone one one or two ways. They would have either smashed teams. Or they would have leaked goals and and given the game away. So, with Diaz there, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of been like their Van Dyke in a way. Somebody who's gone in there and tightened it up. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I gotta mm. say, no doubt about it. It's kind of they've needed that. That's what they've been looking for for a while. You know, mm. that's the money that they've been spending because the money they've spent on other centre back options, trying to find that, and it's just hadn't worked for them. You know, with Otamendi and so on. Mm. all of that it's so yeah he has been a brilliant player for Man City this season and yeah he could be for many seasons to come and all of that so it uh, keeps on developing and so on mm. still only 23 as well so it's scary he can only get better so exactly yeah. so awesome so Ruben Diaz is, wins the unofficial player of the year well done Ruben um, all the best mate um <laughs> Sean, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast, mate. Uh, it's no. been an absolute pleasure. It's been the longest uh, podcast I've done so far, actually. So a lot of, very insightful. <laughs> I was going to say, I was yeah. looking at the time. I was looking at the time just now. and I'm thinking, surely it's other podcasts I've gone on for this long before. I thought <laughs> we've, really, we've really gone over some players. Some, some of them we have jointly agreed and gone straight away. Yes, we agree with them. And some of them... You know, we've been like, yeah, we've really bat- tried to battle our cases for yes. some of them. But yes, more than thank you for having me on. It's been it's been a pleasure it's, uh, deciding this team of the season in the strangest of seasons that Definitely. we all have. Just to put it into context, how long we've been on here, because obviously you guys won't see it. When we started this, <laughs> we could see each other nice and clearly on the yeah. cameras. All I can see now is is teeth, to be honest with you. And I'm looking <laughs> at my thing and all I can, I'm, I'm just a silhouette. Yes, I'm going to say, I'm looking at yours, I'm just seeing your mic, I'm just seeing your headphones and all of that. That's all I'm seeing, I think, because I thought, I thought halfway through this, I thought I'm going to have to put a light on at some point, I'm getting a bit darker and all of that, but I didn't think we're beyond now till it's pitch black and all of that, you know, this is British summertime now, so we've been talking for a while, so it started fairly early into it, so. I love it, I love it. Um <laughs> One other question for you, just a kind of an open question. Yeah. Uh, how do you rate England's chances at the Euros? How, how are we going to do? Is, is it coming home? Ooh, I, would, I would love it if it came home. I mean, you know, 2018 was, was just an unbelievable kind of experience. And I hadn't, seen, I hadn't seen like a country come together like that since the Olympics. Mm. You know, it's kind of where we had, when we held the Olympics in 2012, and it was kind of having getting to the semi-finals of the World Cup. You could see everyone chanting, you know, it's coming home, it's coming yeah. home. You know, you see the memes online and all of that and everything. <laughs> and it was just a brilliant experience. But I mean, now 
now England have got a bit more firepower in their midfield. Mm. And you know, they've always had the kind of forward line and all of that, you know. And, you know, you're going to have Kane Sterling if you get Sancho up there and all of that. Um, if you play Foden up there, as we yeah. mentioned before, he's played more forward there rather than midfield. It's uh, they'd be there would be great additions, and you know, just that midfield now players batting for the places. Do we still have a strong enough defensive line to cope with the likes of you know, the likes of France, the likes of maybe Germany, even though Germany haven't had the best of years and all of that? They normally turn up when they are the most important times, mm. kind of thing. Um, if the draw is played kindly in our favour, then I don't see why we can't get to the semi-finals. But yeah. I think I think the key thing for me, and I think, you know, we need to have that creativity. After the game against Poland, mm. notice that we are we need that creativity. And I think it's vital that not only we keep Kane fit, but we also have Trent Alexander Arnold in the squad. Yeah. Because he can he provides not being Liverpool bias here but he is one of the best in the England side that could provide mm. the creativity and could be a game he could be a game changer you know he can yeah. provide those in important those crosses corners in important moments when they're needed yeah I, I agree I mean it's a it's been a topic of discussion hasn't it when Southgate left him out um yeah. And I read a thing today that apparently he still might consider leaving him at home for the tournament. So yes, yes, I saw that today, and I was still quite shocked. You're thinking, why someone of that? Because he has, yes, he hasn't had the best of seasons, but he has come on, and I don't think he's as bad as a defender as a lot of people are making him out to be, or like the you know just in general kind of thing. You know, mm. it, uh, he is still a good defender. You know, it's, uh, I think if he did, if he couldn't defend then he would be higher up the pitch somewhere, you know, mm. it's, uh, in that Liverpool side. Um, but yeah, I just find that baffling. I would find that absolutely baffling how if Southgate can't find a way to fit him inside, not necessarily to play as a fullback, but even just play him somewhere else because just to have that talent, mm. I think, you know, could be, it could be vital, you know, it could be, you know, when you look at it, when you look at the game yesterday between Liverpool and West Brom, Mm. You know, important, vital, last-minute corner. Probably the last, you know, last few kicks of the game. Mm. And delivers in a great corner yeah. for then Allison to put in. <laughs> so he has that experience in big games. You know, mm. he can do that. And I think it would, be a, it would be a big mistake for Southgate to leave him out, just out of the squad, rather than the starting 11, just out of the squad in general. Yeah, I think... It'll be interesting because I think last few England games I've watched, it seems like we're kind of experimenting with what is our best lineup, trying different players. So hopefully by the time the tournament actually comes around, we know what our best eleven is, and hopefully we can we can bring it home because I'm I'm sick of all I'm sick of semi final heartbreak penalty shootouts, silly goals. You know, I, I I just it needs to happen in our lifetime, Sean. It needs to happen. Oh, it does. It does. And it feels like, you know, last the last time when we played in the World Cup is getting closer and closer. I think, yeah, I think a lot of the, on the mentality and just the types of players, if we can develop those type of players now, I think like the our defensive players, centre-backs and all of that, 
if we can get a good crop of them coming through. I mean, we've got great players coming through in the squad in general up front. I mean, you look at midfield and you look at Jude Bellingham. I mean, 17 years old and what he is... What a Yeah, I've got to say, yeah. what a player. You know, always scoring in the Champions League, you know, against mm. Man City. And yeah, he could be a he could be a brilliant player for the future, you know. So there's the really exciting kind of talent coming through there. So it's, uh, but we've got to, we surely, you know, it's, uh, we've seen, we've seen Liverpool win, you know, the Premier League now, which, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, and all of that. I've seen Leeds come back into the Premier League more because my dad's a Leeds fan. So that's why mm-hmm. yeah, I've got that bit of passion for them there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so surely of all, in craziest seasons, you know, why not? You know, it's uh, the, the 2020s are proving to be a, a, a decade of first Liverpool's first league title in the Premier League, Leeds' first return in what 16 years. Yep, you know, Allison becomes the first Liverpool goalkeeper to um to score in our history, yeah, you know, f- first, first pandemic of the century. Yep. So, so it's 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 gotta be, it's gotta be, you know, the first. Oh. It's got to be, especially when of all the years when Christian Benteke is close to gaining double figures for goals scored in a Premier League season. Oh my God. You know this Mm. is an odd season and that anything can happen. So, (laughs) Leicester won their first FA Cup. It's a sign, our our first European Championship. Hopefully, we'll see, we'll see. Yes, we'll have to see, but uh, I cannot wait because especially if we get crowds in for these matches as well. So looking forward to it. Yeah, in England v Scotland at Wembley. It, you've got to have fans in for that. That'll be incredible. Yes, that will be. It's yeah. so good to have them back. So awesome. All right, Sean. Um, I'm not gonna hold up your time much longer. Um, I it's been a, a nice long podcast, it's been an interesting discussion, some interesting views. Um, yes. so thank you again for for joining the podcast. I'll hopefully have you as a guest again soon. Yes, no problem. Uh, yes, I would happily come back on again. Yes, and thank definitely. you for having me on. It's been a yes, and a great debate tonight. So most definitely, and uh, thank you everyone for for listening. Um, please do follow on Spotify um, and hit Sean with some uh, respect as well because it's been great having him on the podcast. And uh, yeah, make sure you follow on Spotify. Let us know what you think. Would you have given in the awards out differently at all? Um, would you have gone Foden over KDB? That's that's the <laughs> ultimate discussion. Uh, but let us know and um, stay safe and have a good one, guys. Uh, thanks for listening and see you later.